Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Spotlight. I'm Jeremy Lambert. That is Steven Jensen. It is October 12th. And shout out to Big Dick MLJ. As always, look, you can see how big the dick is with this widescreen. Look at that. He's in Japan doing that. It might be bigger, honestly. He's in Japan dragging that thing around all cork and hall. <laughs> I don't have enough space. I don't have enough space. There we go. <laughs> oh, shout out to MLJ for doing the intro. As always, Jensen, it is Thursday. It is another busy week in the world of professional wrestling, as it always is. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Outside of the Vikings, you know, what, they're, what they got going on. I am still repping. I'm repping my Justin Jefferson jersey, you know, on injured reserve right now. Really unfortunate. Lost lost some money this weekend up at the casino. Did a little sports gambling, played a little blackjack. I'm not <clears throat> endorsing or, like, encouraging people to go out there and gamble themselves. I did have a good time, though. Hang out with some friends. I actually met up my, – my parents actually had – Having to be at the casino as well, so I was pretty cool seeing them. And so, uh, so yeah, um, I, had a, I had a really good weekend. Been a pretty good week so far. It was wild because when I was at the casino, it was like in the mountains in North Carolina, and I, um, I didn't have like any reception out there, like and definitely nothing that was strong enough to do like live streaming. And when I got back home, and like on like uh, it was probably I don't know Monday afternoon. I started catching up on everything and I was like, okay, so Cody is one half of the tag team champions now. Um, FTR lost the tag titles. Carlito's back. Um, like Undertaker, like kind of teasing a return. Like um, I'm missing other, Jade Cargill appears on screen. Like all this stuff happened, like in the time span that I was like unable to pretty much access the internet for like a few days. 
was like, wow, I missed a lot. So we have a lot to talk about on today's show. I did a lot of catching up, but uh, how, how are you doing, man? How are you doing today? I'm, I'm well. I, I could have come visited you, I, I think, in the mountains. I, I had to drive through kind of a mountainish area um, from North Carolina to get to get back home to Ohio on Sunday. Had I known you were you were up there, I had a busy weekend just in general before that, and I was ready to get home. But I probably my mom always goes to the casino up there. In, yeah, do you know North where Carolina, Murphy is? So. Murphy, North Carolina murphy no yeah that's when we go to it's a harris uh yeah Indian casino yeah it's uh they have a they have a, a murphy location and a cherokee location the murphy one's like two hours from me the cherokee one's closer to like maybe closer to four um, okay so i think she goes to the cherokee one yeah that's the better one that's the bigger yeah. one that most people okay. would get to the murphy one's just closer but they still do the uh the sports book i played like I probably played six hours straight of blackjack without moving um, and wound up losing overall, but I was up for a little while, but for me, blackjack, as long as I'm not losing like an insane amount of money, I'm talking a lot, like maybe a couple hundred bucks over like a span of two hours or like six hours. That's really not bad, but I was really just trying to like learn that like, like, and there's people around me kind of teaching because I never really played blackjack really my like before. So I knew, I knew the concept of the game, of course, but what I was really trying to avoid was messing other people's cards up at the table. So like they were kind of giving me advice. The, the um, dealer was giving me some advice. And then I had a friend there with me too, that like knew what he was doing. So um, after like a few hours, I really got the hang of it. And then it was like, you know, so it was, it was actually a lot of fun. I'm actually planning on doing it again, probably pretty soon, especially because they have all the TVs there for the, for the NFL games and stuff. Um, I watched, I watched your Carolina Panthers on one of the screens over That's the weekend, but Hey dude, my boy, Adam Thielen's showing out though. Like, I love seeing that. Like he still has it, even though like the team isn't doing great. I get that. But like, he wanted to be the number one receiver somewhere. He wanted to prove that he still has talent. Like he's by far your best receiver and he's catching touchdowns and putting up hundred yard games. I know, I know it's not translating to wins, but he's literally the only person who can catch <clears throat> the ball and do anything. So yeah, I know. That's... I didn't watch the game on Sunday because I was I was driving back. Um, I was listening to it on the radio, and I, it was like fourteen nothing because Detroit scored three plays on their first drive, and I was like, oh, I'm done with this. And then um, I was voice texting with with the wife, and I was like, What? I turned it off. I was I, I was talking to her. I was like, What's the score? She's like, Oh, it's fourteen seven now. I was like, oh, Okay, like oh, I'll turn it back on. I turned it back on, and by the end of the half, it was like twenty eight to seven. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm I'm done with this. I I have not. They're not good, and the unfortunate part about them not being good is they don't even have a first round pick. So it's just like, this is such a almost feels like a waste of a season. I know there's like, oh, growth, Bryce Young, growth, coaching staff, growth and stuff. It feels like such a waste of a season. But it's hockey season. I don't care about football. <laughs> it started last night. Abs are one to know. That's all I care about. There you go. One of these shows coming up, I have a, uh, I have a, like a Predator jersey I could wear. I've got a Picarina jersey from like years back. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll rock some hockey stuff. I, I'm not, I'm not into it like you are, but like you can get me peripheral, peripherally interested Hey, dude, last year I dove deep in the NBA. So like I'm ready for this NBA season. So like I'm like I I, I could be converted into a, a bigger NHL fan as well, I believe. So I'm I'm excited for your NBA journey. SP3 and I were talking a little bit about it on FMC this week. About my journey or the NBA in general? You yours. About yours. Me. Oh, okay. we, yeah, we were talking, we were talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Um 
And that's when you, you came up of like, oh, Jensen can fill us in on the Hawks. And I was like, yeah, Jensen's getting into it. Like he's going to games and everything. So I'm excited to continue to follow how how deep you get into the world of the NBA. Yeah. Well, you know, my guy, my favorite player is LaMelo Ball. So like I'm hoping he's back like good from yeah, injury because dude, I love LaMelo. Like, cause he he just goes out there and is like just he just falls, dude. Like, you love I, I, LaMelo because he wins you money, which I respect. Yeah, well, I, I love Mikael Bridges because he wins me the most money. Mikael Bridges when Mikael he, Bridges actually good. LaMelo. Yeah. Well, so like Mikael Bridges, and we'll get into the wrestling talk here in just a second, y'all, I promise. <laughs> but like Mikael Bridges, I started, I, I I found out about when he was a backup for Phoenix. And he started like yeah. randomly winning me some stuff. And I was like, I was keeping my eye on him. Then he got an, um, an opportunity because I believe Devin Booker went down with injury. So he got like a lot of playing time, started showing out. I wound up asking for tickets for the Atlanta versus, um, uh, for the Atlanta game against um, Phoenix. And literally that morning of the game I was going to that night, he got traded to Brooklyn. So I didn't get to see him that game. I wound uh, up still seeing him against Brooklyn though, eventually. But um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Mikhail Bridges, but I, I dude, I've got the Lamello slimes. I've ever showed you those. Like I have the sh- shoes and everything. I, I'm like all in on, dude, I, was, I, I love, I love me some Lamello ball, dude. Um, but I've got, I got plenty of players that I like, you know, uh, you know, well, the Hornets are about a more embarrassing organization than the Panthers right now too. So they're doing, they're doing well in, in Charlotte. Something's in the water in Charlotte. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. All right. Let's, yeah. all right, let's talk into- about some wrestling y'all. All right. <laughs> uh let's let's start uh over a million fans uh and a great number in the demo tuned in and it was a great show and i think it's been a run of great shows so a big big night in wrestling with tuesday nights aew nxt the tuesday night wars as it was uh the ratings weren't actually all that competitive um viewership nxt did about 300,000 more than AEW and they won in the demo as well. Not too surprising. Maybe that the gap was that big just because, um, AEW has held strong. I mean, they, they got them off of Wednesday nights. So AEW is always held strong against NXT, but NXT loaded up. They had Cena, they had, they had Undertaker, they had Cody. Oh, I expected an NXT victory before all the ratings talk. The, the kind of the biggest talking point out of everything though was the mjf promo uh the the mjf promo where jay white has stolen his belt and mjf wants it back and then it got into juice robinson who said i have a roll of quarters with your name on it and then juice robinson literally showed a roll of quarters with mjf's name on it it's obviously caused a a stir a controversy because of the anti anti-semitism um illusions i I guess we'll, we'll say with everything and then you know mjf has told the story plenty of times on television in media uh, about how he was um treated growing up with people throwing quarters at him and being uh being what's the what's the word i'm looking for uh he basically bullied over like, yeah uh when he was growing up um over like anti being anti-semitic uh, towards him sure. anti-semitic yeah uh i didn't i i didn't want to say racist because that wasn't correct um i know what you mean so, yeah, sure. bully. Gotcha. yeah yeah uh being bullied with everything. So that was kind of the big talking point. MJF it's come out and he has said, uh, one, he's doing a 
He's he's doing mm-hmm. a stand up to, to Jewish hate conference. That's actually today. Uh, he's doing that today. He's speaking about that. And then he's come out and he just said, you know, this is my life. This is my story. You know, you, I want to have this conversation. I want to educate people. I want to have these hard conversations in by doing this, uh, you know, Fightful reported that MJF, I think it's also very clear. MJF is comfortable with this story. This story is not happening without him signing off on it. And this is what he wants to tell on television. Uh, Jensen, I know you don't completely tout your, 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 uh, being being a Jew, but I just wanted to, to get your thoughts first on all of that. And then I do want to have a wrestling conversation about For sure. this. So yeah, I'll, I'll kind of just briefly touch on that. Like, uh, yeah, I am Jewish. Um, and it's something that, like, I really respect MJF a lot. Like, I've, I've talked about that for years, even before he was in AEW. <clears throat> I would talk about him often on the indies on the weekender. People, and that's a good, I have an like actual, like, like, proof and track record. If you want to listen to the weekender, you can hear literal audio proof of me talking about these people for years prior to most people talking about them. And MJF was a guy I've been on board for for a long time. When I found out he was Jewish, it was like, like, damn, we have a real chance here for like a real Jewish star in wrestling, which is pretty rare. Like we had Bill Goldberg representing for us like the late 90s. But before that, it was like Barry Horowitz was like the ultimate jobber with like the like the star of David on his trunks and stuff. Like we just we were we never really had like a big Jewish star in wrestling until Bill until Bill Goldberg. And Goldberg's run was, you know pretty short in like the grand scheme of things and mjf has kind of been like our guy at least i I don't want to speak for all jewish people of course for really when it comes to anything but it's one of those things where like it's really it's it's cool for us to see like and and it's cool that he's so open about it and like so proud to be jewish because that's another thing that historically speaking the jews have been targeted you know forever over a lot of different stuff and it's one of those things where like growing up i dealt with a lot of the same kind of stuff mjf did where like you know you're like embarrassed to like tell people you're jewish or, like because everyone else around you isn't and like it's like you're like the weird kid when you come to school with like matzah for like a jewish holiday no one knows what it is you know like you're like fasting on certain holidays and people think you're weird because you're not eating and like all this stuff and you just kind of have to deal with everyone kind of making fun of you um kind of your whole life over it and um that's one thing about like this whole situation because this obviously without getting super, super detailed in this and talking about it for the entire episode, I understand MJF wanted to do this story. I don't necessarily have an issue with him telling this story because the payoff is going to be him prevailing. Like it's going to eventually be a story of like, like MJF as a Jewish person overcoming like the hate. So I do like that, but I, the timing of it isn't good because like, obviously what's going on with Hamas and with with Israel and all this stuff, like that's, this is the worst possible time you could be doing a story like that. So I also understand, like I've seen a lot of my, like my peers, like other Jewish people and like wrestling media or even just wrestling fans um, on Twitter and stuff like that. And a lot of them are like really, really upset over this. And um, I want to keep that into account too, because I'm I'm not happy about it. But I also I I get the wrestling aspect here, and I understand MJF. Because once again, MJF, you mentioned he told this story. He's told this roll of coin story on TV. He has. He's told it multiple times. I've seen him tell it on the Indies multiple times before he even got on television. Like this is a known story about MJF. This is a big part of like him and like who he portrays himself as, because it, it's a real story. That's really him, and he he puts it out there for us. Um, but so I understand kind of all angles on, on this, but. 
as someone who is Jewish, it's I, I once again, I don't want to speak for all Jewish people because I know there's some people that are like really, really, really upset over this. And it's mainly because of the timing, I believe. Now, that said, I know, like, for instance, and this isn't his fault, but I know like Brian Alvarez had floated this idea on a podcast like a while back. He'd been like, what if they you know, brought this into a story and people jumped all over him and were like, that would be moronic for them to bring this onto television. Like, do not do this. This is a bad idea. And that was before the terrorist attacks that are currently going on. So like, it was already a, a kind of a, a sketchy idea or like a, like kind of a dicey, like idea to go with just in general, but to do it like, while Israel is under attack, that's like, I don't, I don't like that they're doing it right now, I guess really at the end of the day. And it's mainly because it just seems a bit tone deaf. And I think like, I, like I, I don't, once again, I don't want to name names, but I've seen other people that I know that are Jewish that are like really, really, really upset over it to the point where like, they don't want to support AEW right now at all because of it. So like, I, I, and I, and I can't say that they're wrong and feeling that way either. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of, that's kind of how I, how I feel about it. Just kind of in a nutshell. Um, and obviously the bigger, more important thing here is like, just in general, what is going on in Israel? I'm not going to, once again, elaborate on this. People know what's going on. Um, um, it is terrorism. And um, I do obviously support Israel. And if people have problems with me saying that, I really don't know what to tell you. I'm raised Jewish. I have friends and family. You know, it's this is um, this is something that's really serious and it's really scary. And, you know, my people have been under attack really like forever over stuff. And like, you know, I understand it's a it's a it's a never ending cycle of violence. I understand that people have gone back and forth. I get all that. But like what we're seeing right now is terrorism against civilians. And that's that's like nobody should be supporting that in my opinion. So that, that's kind of where I'll leave everything with that, with my thoughts and all that. Um, I appreciate your comments on, sure. on everything, Jensen. Nope, I'm not I, I, by saying these things. It's just my honest opinion on, on the kind of what's going on right now with all that. So I, I think when you should, you should be listened to and you know, anybody, I'm not here to tell anybody how to feel about this. I, I said a lot on in the weeds yesterday and, and Joel, uh, who's also Jewish, he, he said a lot. Um, I think those, these are the voices people should listen to and people should not tell other, other Jewish people how to feel about this. Um, because well, it's not really our place. Uh, and I know some people might be comfortable with this. So some Jewish people might be comfortable. It's like, let MJF tell his story. Okay. That's fine too. Right. Like, if that's sure. how you feel about it. Fine. Uh, right. I'm with you. Uh, everything with the, with the conflict going on, what, I don't know how anybody's supporting any of that, but, uh, and, and I think that is the, the biggest, one of the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest one of, one of the biggest problems with this is the timing of everything, right. because when this was first mentioned and it, it was by Alvarez a few months ago, it was after MJF told the quarter story, um, during the team with Adam Cole and Alvarez mentioned of like, Oh, Cole's going to turn on him by hitting him with a roll of quarters. Uh, this is before all in, and yeah. everything and everybody's like yeah that's not a great idea and joel and i had this conversation uh on the show then of like well what if it's juice robinson and and not because juice robinson let's be fair he has the history with the roll of quarters he's been hitting people with a roll of quarters for years now uh, right so and also is- i just want to throw in here because i see a lot of people in the chat mentioning this like and this is part of the problem it's it is strange to make it out like juice robinson is a racist like, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, that is going to be his, basically the, the, the character of this in this story is how it seems, which like, 
that's a weird look for Juice. Like, this probably puts him in a weird spot, too, even, like, agreeing to doing that. But I understand what you're saying, though. It does tie in with him actually using quarters. So, I yeah. Right. It does. I, I think... So here's kind of my issues with it from this perspective it is one is like flashing the quarters, but like I got a roll of quarters with, with your name on it. Like if he just like hits them with the roll of quarters, it's still not good, but it's something just juice Robinson does. And then people are obviously going to make the, the easy tie in there of like, Oh, he hit him with the roll of quarters and Jeff's Jewish. He sold the quarter story type of thing, but at least it's within the juice Robinson kind of, character to do all this basically promoting that he's doing this makes it look worse uh at least in my estimation um i want to kind of have a conversation about mjf and and what mjf is hoping to accomplish here because it is his story to tell he he said this I, i will read his tweet let me let me pull this up uh just so everybody understands where i am going with this uh there was a, obviously a lot of comparisons to muhammad hassan the wwe character who was was a terrorist portrayed portrayed a terrorist uh and then it happened the the same night day at least within a day of the london bombings and then they still ran it and then basically they took Hassan off television never mentioned again and it's not brought up anymore and people like people won the fake outrage over nobody ever said anything about this yeah they literally took that man off of television okay uh, yeah like, he was never seen again after that. like yeah. yeah yeah it was a gigantic yeah that was a humongous thing when it happened and the thing with him which was so crazy as well which this is off topic a little bit but like he initially really should have been portrayed as a baby face because his character initially was a guy who was being profiled unfairly because of his background because people thought he was a terrorist and then they turned him into a terrorist on the show like that was a terrible move. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, yeah, you're fine. Um, So MJF tweets, Muhammad Hassan was portraying an evil Muslim terrorist. I'm actually Jewish. I've actually gone through this. This is my real life, my story. And I look forward to giving catharsis to every single person who's ever been oppressed or bullied. If you think I'd play with that or take it lying down or worst of all, hide from hard conversations like a coward, you're on crazy pills. I look forward to the hard conversations this starts and creates. I look forward to people being further educated. My life's work is to stand up to any and all injustices done to people due to something as stupid as being different. To anyone that thinks that can't be done through the avenue of professional wrestling, then that's an indictment on things that have happened in the in this sport's past. I look forward to bringing this sport into the present. I look forward to knocking Juice Robinson's teeth down his throat. Most of all, I look forward to getting back the Triple B. All right, he's trying to still do character stuff with the last two lines of Juice Robinson and like, ah, most importantly, I'm going to get my belt back type of thing. Fine. Like, you don't want to fully come out and just be like, hey, I'm comfortable with this story. Juice is in on it too. It just completely break kayfabe on everything. I can understand that. The first portion of this, where he says he, he looks forward to having hard conversations. He looks forward to people being further educated and just like trying and trying to bring trying to do this type of story in the realm of professional wrestling. I respect it. I do. I respect that. He wants to try to tell a positive story through, because most of the times when this stuff is portrayed, you mentioned like Muhammad Hassan, it seemed like, Hey, let's try to do something where it's like, you're being profiled because you look like this and you're a terrorist. Let's make that a babyface character. And then they just turn into a terrorist. 
Mustafa Ali, kind of the same thing. Like he's told that as well as like, I want to try to stand up to like, no, I'm profile for this. And then you basically get turned into the heel on that. The problem with this in professional wrestling, and I hope I don't sound too harsh. I love everybody in the chats. Professional wrestling fans for the most part are, are good people. Everyone our chat, our chat's pretty reasonable specifically. Yes, yes. Our chat, our, our chat yeah. is pretty reasonable. Yeah. Discourse around professional wrestling is not reasonable. Like, look at just look at yesterday with ratings. We are talking about ratings and the way people are acting. We we're talking about numbers that in the grand scheme of things, they mean something, but AW is not getting canceled because of what happened yesterday. But look at the discourse surrounding just that kind of stuff. I don't think for the a lot of professional wrestling fans can have a reasonable discourse and discussion about something so nuanced about a certain perspective about a about religion about being bullied i just don't think that i don't think that they can do it and maybe that maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know maybe i'm too online uh like i don't know I just don't I don't think there can be a reasonable discussion with this. I hope I'm wrong. Honestly, I do, because it would be nice to have this reasonable discussion. I just don't I just don't think wrestling fans want to have that conversation. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I, I do listen, like I said, like I said a little earlier, I do think that there's there's potentially something really cool, like a story and like especially MJF prevailing at the end of this. And the one thing I need, one thing I need to put out there to be fair with the timing of this. Now that not, I have to like make this really clear when I like, I'm just going to preface all this right here. I would not do the storyline right now because of the time with Hamas. Like, okay, just straight up. Like I want to make that really clear. Now that said, timing wise on the, on the flip side with what's happening with AEW, I, I would imagine MJF's run of the baby face isn't going to be very long. And they probably don't have that much time to like, if they're going to do a story like this of MJF prevailing as the super baby face, they probably need to do it like within the timetable of like whenever, before Adam Cole comes back or whatever, they might be playing with like a short amount of time where they're like, we need to turn MJF heel again at some point pretty soon. Also, I don't know. I, I don't I, think they, after something like this too. Well, no, no, no. I know. I agree. Yeah. Well, like after right. the, after something like this, it would be strange to turn him heel sometimes. But then again, like, it's MJF, dude. Like he's he's looking for ways to make people hate him. Like what what better way to make people hate him than like make you love him and feel bad for him? And then he stabs us all in the back again. You know, like I just I'm not saying that's a good idea. I'm just saying like if anyone's gonna do something like that, like MJF is like, he's the devil, right? Like he's the guy who's trying to make you feel like like you should be cheering him. Then he's gonna rip your heart out. You know, so like, but uh, but ultimately speaking, I think listen, MJF takes his religion and everything way too seriously too. Like in a good way, as far as like. I don't think he's going to do this and like make the Jewish people come out looking bad at the end of a storyline. Like yeah, this. I agree. You know what I mean? So like, I am looking forward to the payoff of him shoving those coins down Juice's throat to like, to get him back or, you know, whatever, like whatever the, you know, and get his title back and all this stuff. But yeah. Um, I, as far as the discourse for the fans though, like, I mean, that's where, if you look at my Twitter, it's pretty much a ghost town. I pretty much just go on there and I post like links for whatever I'm doing, retweets and stuff for the same kind of reason. Cause even when it doesn't come to something like as serious as this wrestling fans can't even there. I mean, it's, 
it just it, but it's been like that forever, man. Like it, it was even like like that in the message board days. Wrestling is just this weird thing where everyone gets really emotionally attached to it. Everybody thinks that they're the biggest wrestling fan. They know the most about wrestling. Their rest, their favorite wrestlers should be the wrestlers that are getting pushed. Their storylines that they come up with in their head should be what's happening. The champions that they want should be the champions. The company that they like should be the best company. And they just they just get married to it. And then there's just no conversation. It's just, it's, it's like politics. It's like the people on the far right and the far left. Like no matter, it's like not even worth having the conversation half the time because they just, they just choose the other side constantly of the same exact thing that they're doing over and over again. Nobody gets anywhere. So that's kind of how I feel about wrestling with this. Like, I think that MJF could tell a great story, but like you said, at the end of the day, the actual conversation is just going to be people just yelling over each other. And who knows, you know, who knows if it'll actually accomplish anything positive or not. I don't know. I, and I think MJF is a great storyteller, by the way. I think I don't always love, I'm talking about throughout history. I don't always love his promos. I don't always love his material and everything, but he delivers it in a great way. I do think that he has overall, um, I do think he has overall great ideas and he follows through on them and he he tells them, in a, a very great way. Um, sorry. Hold on. You're good. I, I'm just annoyed. I'm annoyed that I just keep message. Yes, I did it. <laughs> Someone uh, message you? Sean, he just, yeah. this is the problem of having to juggle two jobs and I can't just focus on one. It annoys me. I can um, take it away if you need to, if you need to work on something real quick, if you want me to talk about something. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. So I'm seeing people in the chat. Actually, there was a super chat I'll get to real quick. It's perfect timing. So uh, Boggs Biega, I, I might be butchering that, but I appreciate the super chat, Boggs. It says, there's a thousand people who decry hyperbole and bait from Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless in sports. Guess who gets paid? Spoiler, not uh, rational critics. Yeah, I mean, that's, I understand, I understand that as well. I mean, there is a lot of like value. I, at least perceived value. It gets a lot of attention. Like people, if I'm understanding the super chat correctly, just the, the concept of like having like outlandish takes or being like super um, uh, enthusiastic about something one way or the other. Um, that's true. I mean, there's people who have definitely made careers of that. But there's also people who have made careers. Like I know Ariel Hawani, for instance, like he's become a bit more out, like um, um, uh, outspoken since like leaving ESPN in recent years and stuff. But he's a guy who I, I, I think is pretty, is pretty, uh, you know, like level-headed who has, who has made a really long career for himself and, you know, in mixed martial arts and in just media in general and stuff. I think it's possible to do it with a level head, but I do think that you, a lot of people do get a lot of attention for being like loud and like putting like controversial opinions out there and stuff like that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, se it seems like there's, I think most people in the chat pretty much agree with us. Um, it's obviously, it's a complex issue, all of this, um, you know, but like I said, I'm a big MJF fan. Like I have been for a long time and I do want to see him, you know, continue to be like the main guy, you know, uh, the, the AEW champion. I think he has so much to give to the wrestling business. Um, and I think this will be a pretty cool story. Like at the end of the day, the timing is bad right now, but like, it will be a cool moment, like for him to overcome this. So, um, yeah. Um, let me see what else we got. Oh, 
Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm taking it away for a second. Um, what else we got in the chat, guys? Um, let's see. Just reading some of the chat here. You know what? I'll get into, uh, let me see what our next AW spotlight was, and I'll talk about that a little bit here. All right, so our next AW spotlight was FTR losing the tag team titles to uh, Big Bill and Ricky Starks, which I definitely didn't see coming. Let me know in the chat how y'all felt about that. Um, so I, I, like I said, I was at the casino over the weekend, and I missed Collision because I didn't have internet access. And it wasn't on television, like in the, in the casino. And when I get back on Monday to my house, I'm like, I saw, I saw a picture on Twitter of Big Bill holding one of the tag titles. And I was like, why is he holding this? And what do you know? The dude won the tag belts with Ricky Stark. So I went back and I watched the match. Um, and it was the decisive victory for Big Bill and for Ricky Starks. Um, Leads to a lot of questions, I guess. Like, you know, I know FTR already came out and said, you know, AW's our home. We're not going anywhere. You know, nothing like that. But it was a little strange. Them losing the titles kind of out of the blue. Them putting up a tweet about, like, you know, kind of thanking people for the title run. Um, and I I absolutely did not see that coming. Um, especially because Big Bill and Ricky Starks have started teaming fairly recently. And... FTR is on this run of beating all these established tag teams one after another, after another, and all these big matches. Um, as a matter of fact, this is a good time for me to bring this up because I've, I've, I haven't brought it up on the show before. Um, and Jeremy's coming back too right now. So you can hear the story also. So, um, so Jeremy, I was just talking about Jeremy's in like the, y'all can't see him, but I was just talking about how, um, Oh, there he is. So um, I was just talking about how FTR has lost the titles, the big bill and, 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 uh, and Ricky Starks, and I don't think I've even told you this, but I have a really good friend named Michael Hughes. He comes over and watches AEW like every week with me. And he's been married for years um, to this girl, Sarah, super nice, who has never had any interest in professional wrestling, Sarah. But they've been, they've known each other for like, they've been married for probably the better part of 10 years already at this point. And no interest in wrestling ever. He watches AEW all the time, watches some like indies here and there, not really into WWE anymore, but Big enough wrestling fan that he watches it every week with me. We action figure hunt together on weekends every now and then and stuff. Huge wrestling fan. His wife, never into it. She accidentally, like, I don't know if it was on DVR or if, like, he left the TV on or what. She watched Collision a little while back when it was FTR versus Bullet Club Gold. That hour-long tag team match. She just happened to, like, catch the beginning of it and watch the entire thing through by herself. No one else around. And then told him, like, hey, I just watched this match and like, I think I get it now. Like, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I get why you like this. And since then, since that match, she has watched every episode of Collision. She's been watching the pay-per-views. Like, she's she's like asking if we're watching Dynamite. She's, she's, she's even watching Rampage. And so the reason that I bring this up is because I everyone's always talking about like how to draw in casual viewers to, to, to the show and to the product wrestling can still do that like the actual wrestling match can still be entertaining enough to a, a complete novice fan that they see it and they get hooked and i think that was something that people need to know about i think it was badass this girl is sitting around watching rampage on friday nights now i mean i don't oh, even bless. watch rampage most weeks and, <laughs> you know what i mean and she's like you know because because he comes over for dynamite still because it's kind of his getaway like out of the house to come over here and hang out for a little while it's like dude time but so she'll like text us while he's over here and be like, she'll be watching it at home. And then, and, 
And it's even to the point where she watches Simon Miller's ups and downs now. Like she won't, she'll, she'll wait to watch like people review the show. Like she'll watch the show, even DVR it and then watch YouTubers review the show. And this is all in the span of just like a couple months. So um, I want people to know that. And that's a big thing is like FTR is like her team. Like she, like, that's like the team that got her into it. She watches all the FTR matches, um, you know, and stuff. So it's like, um, so it kind of ties in uh, pretty cool too with like FTR losing these belts to, to Big Bill and Ricky Starks and, and really like a, a real surprise uh, title win. But what FTR accomplished during that during that run with their belts on top of all the great matches and the title defenses and the, the various companies and pay-per-views and all this stuff they've done this on, they actually made new fans or at least at least one new fan that's like a legit AEW fan now. So um, I think that's badass. He says, "Get her to watch Hey EW." Could you yeah, hey, I, 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 I guarantee you, she would at least give it a shot. No, <laughs> no, my buddy, my buddy Mike, uh, he he locked out because she, she's super. She goes to the Chestnut events with us too. Like she's the one. She's not like super into Joey Chestnut like I am, but she'll like find out where, like the lines are and stuff, and like get in front so that like when we get there, like we can like jump in with her and stuff. Like she's 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 super cool. So it's like it's really cool that she's she likes wrestling now because now. You know, he comes over on Wednesdays, but now on Saturday nights, like they, they're not in like separate rooms, like doing different stuff. Like they're watching AW Collision together. I mean, it's, it's pretty beautiful, you know? And I know you have a similar situation where like, I know you're, I know the, the EP like was, was already a wrestling fan, but like, that's cool that you have that together. Like it'd be way, way better than like having to like disappear from each other every time you want to watch wrestling. So. Yeah. I've, I've been in that situation too um but yes no, same uh, yeah it is it is nice that to share a common interest like that with uh your, your significant other and um in the fact that the wife puts up with all the wrestling all the wrestling there is nowadays especially like because there's a lot there's so much nowadays guys i apologize for uh kind of getting thrown off there um and then having to kind of need to leave the room for a second and, and take a breather with it's everything okay. I got you, Jeremy. I can hold it I down. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, we can move on from the the MJF stuff because we do have a lot to cover. Um, yep. But but yeah, I I respect what MJF is doing. If you feel a certain type of way, I don't think you're wrong in, in your feelings. And I so agree. I'll just kind of I'll just kind of leave it at that. As far as FTR, you, you mentioned them and Ricky Starks and Big Bill winning the championships. Definitely a, a surprise because Ricky Starks and Big Bill kind of just got put together not too long ago when Ricky Starks was suspended. Um, and then he was managing Big Bill. The title win seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. I think people thought FTR was going to have a really lengthy run and they've had the belts for a while. It's just, it got caught, so much got caught in like the punk vortex uh once collision started but like the the bullet club gold matches were good i wasn't as high on the young bucks match at all and a lot of people were and they did the weird teaming thing with the young bucks starks and big bill though i think especially ricky everyone knows i'm a big fan of ricky i i'm very happy that, that he got the gold big bill's been great in AEW, so i look forward to uh you know kind of kind of seeing their run and see him it was weird that everyone's like, oh, FTR must be leaving because they lost the titles. Like, they literally just said they signed a four year deal um, uh, at the start of this year. So I don't, they're not going anywhere, guys. Not going anywhere. Yeah. I just mentioned, I mentioned like while you're gone for a second, how like, um, yeah, they, they've even come out since then and said, like, no, this is our home. Like, we're not, we're not leaving. <laughs> um, 
And uh, you know, Dave Langer in the chat was a pretty good, uh, was a pretty good point here. Potentially that um, maybe Aussie Open was supposed to win, and Mark Davis got hurt, and this was a pivot. I could see that being the case. But also, you know, this is a good opportunity for for Starks and Big Bill in a lot of ways. Um, Ricky Starks needs something there because, like, they've done a good job of making him more than just like another guy, and they've done a pretty good job of like attempting to get him into kind of like the main event scene. But if he's not going to be like a main singles champion or something or challenging for one of those titles right now, the tie belt is probably the best thing he could be doing. And it also helps elevate Big Bill to something important because I've said that a few times on the show too. You know, people people know that I love Omos and, you know, and, and Satnam Singh and these guys. And like, and in all honesty, like I do respect those guys a lot because we've seen in basketball guys like Sean Bradley and stuff, like the, the, the size isn't always necessarily – um, correlate to like the coordination or like the talent and stuff, but like the size can be impressive. But you know, someone like Omos or Satnam Singh, I think actually moves around pretty damn well for like a guy his size. Um, but like Big Bill is like he's like he's good. Like Big Bill isn't just like a big guy who's like competent and like barely getting around. Like Big Bill like actually can work and he's that size. So you know, and it's good to see like personally he must have his stuff like you know, his ducks in a row. Cause I know like, you know, the WWE, he left and he was still young and he had some stuff on the Indies that like some weird looks and stuff for a minute. And like, but it seems like he's like got it together and like, he's in good spirits. He's in good, he's in phenomenal shape and he's doing the best work of his career. And now they got kind of like a diesel HBK kind of thing kind of going between those two guys. Um, which is never a bad comparison to make because that was so successful. The diesel and Shawn Michaels things for both of those guys for their careers long-term. So like I'm, I'm all for it. You know, um, FTR was also getting to the point where like, what was, what was left, you know, how now I accept bounces forever. That was the one I wanted. I wanted VIF versus FTR on, on AEW very badly. And I, we could still get that one day. That's the one miss I feel like. Uh, it was cool seeing them doing open challenges. It was cool seeing them against the Workhorsemen, who, in my opinion, are one of the best tag teams in the world and have been for a long time. Um, so uh, a lot of good things were accomplished in the FGR tag team run, but it was time for a new team uh, to win the titles. And it is just a little strange. It's a team that like was just kind of put together in a, in a company that's stacked full of established tag teams. But I'm here for it. I'm interested to see what they do with this. I think some things were accomplished in, in the title run. The the open challenge thing. I mean, we got Iron Savages, who we love. Yeah. James uh, yeah. 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 Oh, uh. yes. everyone, everyone knows I love the ass eating. Um, yeah. <laughs> they don't even like spread it. With their, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, they yeah, they get out. in there and they get in that ass. Uh, shout out to like the they're getting team. television time now and everything. Yeah. Uh, Work Horsemen, they haven't really been seen since that match. I do hope that they kind of get a little bit more of a, of a showcase i'm not counting roh guys like if, if they're on roh then good on them but uh th that show is what it is at this point um you know and then they then they basically lost the belts all the open unfortunately mark davis got hurt and so what can you do there and then they they lost the belts. so hopefully you know if they can if iron savages keep getting featured and and workhorse may get more of a spot then i think more gets accomplished from that those open challenges and everything sure. as far as ricky and and bill go like yeah there's definitely no nothing wrong with the comparisons to sean and diesel i hope like sean and diesel they just they don't actually lose the titles because sean and diesel are two-time tag team champions never actually drop them which was right oh well, that's i mean that's the that's the you know <laughs> that's 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 sean michaels and, and kevin nash that's like 
that's just on brand for both of those guys. That's like, that's just, why he, he that's why they rule. I know. Shawn dude. Michaels like just never dropped the belts. It's awesome. Oh, you don't have to tell me twice, man. I've got my roster of uh of my favorites, man. <laughs> Kevin Nash, Bobby Fish, the Young Bucks, Jungle Boy. Like, I mean, Nash is on that roster, man. So Cody, of course, but that's a different roster. Uh well told him so it's Tony gave Ricky the title because Cody helped Jade go to WWE. He saw a video of Ricky at the Rumble with Cody. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true, that's but funny, I don't though. think it hurt perception either. Because, uh, yeah, Jade going, and then everyone knows Ricky is close with, uh, with Cody. And Ricky is a guy who I think wants to do that work. And so Tony was, well, you know, Tony gave Jade that long TBS title run as well and then she still left so it's all with the the performer ones i don't think it really has any bearing on like oh here's this title to keep you from going to to wwe if you give the person the belt and then still don't do anything with him then uh then you know what what does that matter people want people want to be able to tell create this is why ftr uh this is why ftr you know kind of left wwe right it's like oh here we'll give you the belts it's like, well, we're not actually doing creative storylines with these belts. We just have them. It's basically a prop. Here, hold these for a little while. Yeah. People want to be involved creatively with stuff. Right. So I don't think that just it gave them the belt. Hey, take this so you don't go anywhere. You still got to do something creative. No, that's a funny super chat, though. I like that super chat from Will. Uh, good, good super chat, Will. And and uh, and no, but it's like, yeah, like in WWE, it's like, yeah, you can hand us the titles, but like if the storyline is us shaving each other in the locker room, then like who cares if we're the champions or not? Because people are just gonna make fun of us. Because that was that what they were actually doing. Like it was storylines of them like shaving each other and stuff backstage. And people were like, Why why would this be a character? Um anyway, we can move on. That's probably a pretty pretty good transition to WWE topics if you wanna yeah. um WWE, here we go. I need to finish the story. In the WWE, the story never finishes. Cody finished his story. Jen, oh. He's got a title. He's got two. Just like Roman. Roman's guy, I guess, got three now. But he's got yeah. two titles. Story's sure. over. How happy are you? Story's over. How happy am I? Well, I don't have a Cody Rhodes tattoo, and I don't have blonde hair right now, Jeremy. <laughs> so this is this doesn't count. Um people who don't know that was the plan for wrestlemania i had a tattoo appointment and i had hair dyeing appointment i was going to show up on on the spotlight the following thursday with like looking like cody Rhodes. i wasn't put the tattoo on my arm i got to cover up another tattoo anyway but the uh but i was i was gonna do that and you know we were anyway that all got ruined maybe maybe next year um the tag team titles thing man obviously it's a story to get back to roman it's a story that gets him onto SmackDown and Raw at the same time. I get it. I'm still terrified that like the Rock's going to be involved and like this is all going to be for nothing and we're going to have to wait even longer and this may never happen for Cody. Um, but you know, it is interesting. I mean, at least he's. It's weird because like they're killing. I honestly feel like they're killing time until they know if the Rock's going to be available or not, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, they're going to try to set it up to where like, it would make sense for Cody if it is going to be Cody, but if they're going to, but it will also make sense for Cody to do something else potentially if the rocks available. And one thing I did notice too, I watched raw on Monday when their first title defense against, uh, Owens and Zane and Cody, like 
took a mass, he gave himself a massive bump on the finish. Like he, he did like the like, a terrible finishing name, by the way, it's like Cody D one, I guess they're calling it like, <laughs> yeah, and Cody one D Cody one D. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awful the actual move's pretty cool though i mean it's a it's an it's a it's a 3d oz cutter but like yeah. but with the way cody i don't know if anyone else i'm sure other people caught it but like he landed on his head like and he got like sandwiched on on owen between him and owens and like at the end of that match cody like rolled out of the ring and i was like is he hurt because that was a bad landing and i think he's okay but like i just want to point that out there too that was a I don't know how often they'll be doing that move anymore if it's going to keep like, kind of ending like that, but I assume they're going to keep using it. I think um, I'm going to rewatch the the spots uh, just so I can. Okay, here we go. Yeah, dude, he like gives himself a pile driver. Oh, that, this is the one on on Ballard. They hit it clean at fast. Oh no 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 on Raw. Look at the one on yeah, Raw. Watching on the one on Raw. Oh wait. Oh, here's the one on Raw. Okay. Yeah, he just he went over. Too yeah, far. he he, he over he overturned, yeah. but like because of that, he landed on his head and neck, and Owens' weight came right on top of his head. And I was like, Yeah, that's... Oh, not, I'm not saying they're gonna stop doing the move because of that. I'm just saying, like, like for do not take yourself out of the equation, Cody, like over this move. <laughs> like, like we do not need injuries right now. So, like, um, but yeah, he, he just kind of it kind of went too far on it. If you, if you watch the, the one from fast lane, he hits it clean at fast lane. The one on, uh, yeah, the one on raw, he just kind of went, went a little too far on it. Yeah. I, I think that because when you watch uh, the fast lane one, he gets up, he hits it on Balor and then he's doing the whole, he's banging his chest and fired up and everything. He was so excited after he hit this move. And then yeah, raw, he just kind of went too far. I think they're going to keep yeah. it though. That was just a, it was a yeah. missed time. You know, yeah, it happens even the, even to the best, yeah. even to the best like Cody. You change um, the name of the move though. I mean, that's a the move name. name, the Cody One D. Terrible name. <laughs> I don't even know what you would call it. That would be better, but I feel like anything would be better than that. someone in the chat. Is in chat? Let us know what's a better name for that finishing move. There's got to be something better than like Cody One D. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know if you just call it like the One D Cutter. I don't think that works. But it's... because it, they called it the One D because it's like one and done uh is this a it's a yeah. 3d uso cutter yeah. eh, mm. just the... <laughs> i don't know we're gonna have, have to think about this um yeah i don't i don't know i don't spend too much time on this but it, it is that is something that by the end of that cody cody and done they call it the cody and done see it should be called like the super 3d or something but they don't call it the 3d they call it the 1d and like it sounds weird with cody anyway it doesn't matter but i but yeah so cody and cody and jay Uso are the tag team champions and then and then at the end of raw uh owens and zane like zane already was like pretty much in with those guys but now owen seems to be as well like he's like warmed up to it war games i mean we talked about yeah. it the other week and and sean reported that they're they're sounds like they're gonna bring it back and it Looks like that was where they were going. I said the other week, I'm like, yeah, uh, Cody's going to push for this. They've not announced it, but Cody is going to push for this. So I think that's uh, that's where they're going. They're, they're going war games with this. And that was yeah. a big step to get Kevin Owens on the same page. I love Cody and Jay as the, the tag team champions. I don't even saw the press conference, but them just being drunk. <laughs> I was about to say, were they just like baked out of their minds? I saw like a very short clip and I was like, I couldn't tell if that was alcohol Cody, or, or what, but I was like, 
Cody know, admitted kinda... Cody admitted uh, they had had some drinks beforehand. If they had more, it would not surprise me. Uh, but he was, they'd certainly had some drinks beforehand. Um, it was so, so good. Uh, I, I love them as a team. And now I guess we'll see them on uh, SmackDown at some point, And then we will see if they tie things together with Roman Reigns. Michael Cole was bitching, uh, bitching out Cody on Raw. He's like, Got these titles. Are you trying to trying to get back at Roman since you failed at WrestleMania? Like, what do you make of all this? Michael Cole putting Cody in his place. Not cool. Not cool, Michael <laughs> Cole. Um, but it's a pretty good transition though for NXT because Cody was involved in that also. If you want to talk some NXT. Yeah, he announced that they're going to do tournaments that they had already were planning to do, but good on Cody. He's kind of yeah. I, I will say this, Cody's kind of a coward with B, he was the GM for the night. And he didn't book himself in a title match like a true booker would do. Like, did he not learn yeah. from AEW when he, he took himself out of the title picture because, like, oh, I don't want to do that? And he admitted that was a mistake. He should have booked himself to, like I said, to win the North American Championship. Kind of coward. <laughs> like, how, like, like he stopped at the North American title there. Like, I know it's he shouldn't Donald beat Ilya. Bit, but like, he shouldn't beat Ilya. No, I agree, but that'd be a great match. I'll, I, I, I'm a big fan of Ilya Dragunov. I've, I've been a he's, fan he's of his great. for quite a while yeah he was a, he was a guy who like on the weekend or you know I, I i i recapped nxt uk the entire time the show from episode one to when it ended and like he was a guy who i've been saying for a while i'm like man if they tyler bates another one where i'm like i don't know why it's taking so long but like these guys are like could be mainstream massive stars on the, on, on on raw and smackdown they just they just aren't yet but like dragon i think that they will they will heavily push whenever he eventually makes the jump but uh um yeah man I, it, it is obviously strange that cody like we've seen him on AEW television talking about how there's no you know how like the nxt basically couldn't keep up with the war back when that was going on and now cody is being used to counter program against AEW on the night that AEW runs head to head and stuff like that so it is it is very bizarre. That is, you know, never say never in wrestling. Yeah, Cody Rhodes on NXT against AEW at the same exact time. That is, that's pretty nuts when you really think about that. Um, is it but, this yeah. proof that Cody is the draw, though? He, when he yeah, was on yeah. AEW television, yeah. I'm just feeding into your narrative here, Jason. No, no, sure. No, I'm, I'm with you here. I agree 100% there. I mean, because I think you could, you could directly correlate the, um, the success of NXT's ratings gap over AEW on Tuesday, specifically 100% because Cody was involved on NXT. I think that's the only reason that it did so well. It started, the show started off like super, I, the quarter hour breakdowns from, from Thurston, like I think a million people started off watching the show and Cody, they had announced that Cody was going to be the person to kick off the show. So they, they didn't care what AEW was going to open with. They were going to they were going to tune in and see and see Cody. And you know when Cody was in AEW, they beat NXT nearly every week and got him kicked off Wednesday. Now Cody goes over, he shows up on NXT. Who won? I think Cody proven that he is the true draw here. I completely agree with you jeremy I, you are spitting facts right now dude thank you you know you're making my job really easier i don't even have to i, I agree i don't have to i don't even have to elaborate on that <laughs> what did you make of uh like the undertaker coming in just 
laying out Braun Breaker, and he's coming. Back. He tried to put over Carmelo <laughs> Hayes. Yeah, I think Undertaker's gonna wrestle again. I see. I I said really? that. Yeah, oh yeah. I said that. That man can barely move. That yeah, but can barely move. I I think that I I I it never sat right. Let me listen. I'll say this in all in all transparency. I'm not a big Undertaker guy. Like it isn't even like a personal thing at all. It's just like I was never that into the dead man gimmick. Like I just his in ring style and stuff. He's had some really damn good matches and storylines throughout his career. I'm not going to sit here and like trash talk the Undertaker. And he's he's a lot of people's favorite wrestler, and he's one of the best. If you're talking specifically WWE of all time, he's way up there. Okay, I completely get it but he's never been like my cup of tea as like a wrestler he like even like when he was at his peak i was always a bigger fan of like other wrestlers around him um and but even then out of like the respect i was like man it seems weird to me that he's retiring after a a cinematic match and after retiring in front of in front of the 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 thunderdome fans and stuff like that just never and I know you got to come back as the American badass and stuff like that more recently and stuff like that. But I really, and also I saw a backstage um, video that WWE posted of him and Shawn Michaels um, at NXT before the show on, on Tuesday. And, and Taker was like joking. He's like, I got my gear with me. And Shawn was like, Oh, you're not going to need it, man. And, and he was like, Oh, you must see my last match. And Shawn was like, no, no, I didn't. And you could just kind of tell that the Taker's probably like kind of fishing for like, do y'all want me to have the last match? Just like because I'm down, you know. Um, and he get paid a ton of money to do it, and it'd probably only be like three minutes long. Um, I do think he'll come back. Um, I, I legitimately do. You're um, running off fans with your Undertaker hatred. He's kidding. Powder finisher. <laughs> no, he's he's an Undertaker fan. I understand that. Listen, I have a good friend, um, Gemma Jules, who I've interviewed before. Um, she's a massive Undertaker fan, and anytime I bring up anything about like Sting being better than the Undertaker or anything like that, she gets pissed. And I mean, that's just factual, though. I, I agree, but the Undertaker fans might not agree. So, um, but uh, wrong. But anyway, but this is this is for you, Undertaker fans. I do think he deserves something bigger than um, a, a retirement in front of. Um, I know he's you know he's always going to be WWE legend and he'll always be involved in some way, shape, or form. But he deserves better than like the the send off in front of nobody and you know the match in front of nobody. I do think that. Whether it's Braun Breaker or whoever, I think he's going to come in at least one more time and it'll be a really short match and he'll get paid a lot of money. And then that way he can at least feel better that like he he had a last match in front of like an actual like stadium or arena full of people. I I kind of agree with you in that like it might be just like a mania thing. I wouldn't do it. I, I don't like when they do this to the young talent because everyone looks at it. And this is what they're trying to say with Braun Breaker. Um it is basically of like, oh, this was big for Braun Breaker getting to he got the rub from the Undertaker. I don't think that it works like that. I, I just I don't I don't think it helps the talent to get beat up by these old dudes. I just don't like if you want to do it, go in there and do like a promo segment and stuff, that's fine. But like they get laid out and how often did they come back around and it be good for them? Like it it's doesn't always work out like Elias. Everyone thought, Oh, Elias is getting this moment with Cena undertaker. How'd that work for him? Where, where did that go? Austin theory always getting this moment with, with John Cena. Where is he yet? I think Grayson Waller is very talented. I think he might be able to overcome some of this stuff, but he's kind of in that same boat of like, yeah, he's, he's sharing the ring with these guys, but he's getting beat up 
by these guys most of the time. So I wouldn't do like that with Grayson Waller at WrestleMania, but I could see them doing something like that with Grayson Waller at WrestleMania of, oh, Grayson Waller effect. Oh, here comes the Undertaker, lay him out, pin him. That's it. Uh, and then it's like, oh, that's great. So I don't like the Miz is somebody who that's an established guy who is not like an up and comer. And people are like, oh, this is the future of the business type of thing. The Miz can go out there and take these short little L's and then bounce back because he's the Miz. When it's these younger guys who people see as like Braun Breaker, future WrestleMania main eventer type of thing, just feels like they should be treated a little bit better on that. A little bit better on that. Yeah, just, no, I'm, I'm, I understand. I, I'm, I'm with you 100 on that. Especially if there's not going to be like a better payoff for these guys, like it's kind of counterproductive. And I even see people like there's a lot of Undertaker fans in the chat, and I respect that they're standing up for him. I, I, I think that um, I thought the Boneyard match with AJ was good. By the way, I'm not saying it was bad. I just think it's, it's obviously different than having a final match like an actual match in front of people. Um, yeah. We got a super chat, big one here. Yeah, Will Will says, uh, should have got drunk Cody, drunk Jay on NXT, agreed. Become MVP for one night. You did love that they made use of Jay as a free agent, and the Pillman Jr. promo was good. I like that Jade is just kind of showing up, doing her own little thing, and we will see where she actually ends up because uh, she was at Fastlane at the preview show. She was on NXT, and now we'll, we'll see if she just ran it. She should step the Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Just Ooh. be like, you acknowledge me. Great. I think it's more likely that she joins with them. I think she can be a Heyman girl. She did tease that. I mean, that's that ain't happening right now uh, because it's all bloodline stuff, and Jade Cargill is not bloodline. Uh, but either is yeah. well, or either is Paul Heyman. <laughs> I mean, technically, Paul. Hey, yeah, but Paul Heyman's been involved with that family of for course. decades, and that's sure. why it makes sense. Like Jade is not involved at all, unless either we still know Zane. something. I'm just saying, like, there have been people outside of the family. But, yeah, um, but Sami Zayn, Sammy Zayn took it. that up a notch. I don't think Jade is is the person who's going to kick that to a different level. Uh, I understand. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen either. But I do think it'd be it's kind of, kind of a cool idea. And also, it's worth mentioning, of course, that uh, as uh, Dylan is mentioning in the chat, Carmelo got endorsed by Undertaker. I mean, Carmelo Hayes has a he should have a bright future. I mean, I liked him as Christian Casanova once again pre WWE. He, he's had a lot of potential for a long time. Um, it's good to see him. It's good to see WWE seems to be behind him. I don't think you pair him up with Cena and have the Undertaker endorse him if you don't have plans for him. So, see, that's a more of a bigger like. Okay, this guy we kind of see a brighter future, and then Braun Breaker who gets cut down by Cena. I guess Cena was like, "This is a teachable moment. I'm not going to." cut you down and tell you that you are a failure and that they got to bring guys like me and Cody back to NXT because you can't carry this company. So I do think that, uh, and then getting laid out by the undertaker. I think Carmelo Hayes got a bigger endorsement than, than Braun breaker did on that. Um, and, and one last thing on the, the Jade being like a Heyman girl, it doesn't work, especially if Heyman is still like doing bloodline stuff, because we saw that with Claudio Cesaro while Heyman was also trying to manage Brock Lesnar and there was a huge disconnect and it did absolutely nothing for Cesaro when he should have gone on to bigger things after winning the Andre battle Royal. And Agreed. Just, and he did it. George, no, you're a hundred percent right. I was actually alive for like, I saw, I was live in the building when he won the Andre and then the next night when he became a Heyman guy, I was there live for all that. It was huge. And then they just never, they just dropped the ball completely with it. George Scott also mentioned that Ava Ray may be a Heyman girl. I always forget. Yeah. It's the rock's daughter. She's there. I mean, and see, 
and yeah. they they did tease that as well of like Heyman showing her the the back of his phone case which has bloodline on it. At least that makes sense. Ava Rain right. is actually bloodline, so that one right. least, uh, makes sense on that. Uh, overall, though, NXT. What did you see the the Pillman Junior stuff? And now he is uh, Lexus Lexus King. King. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, it's interesting. You know, I feel like it's somewhat of a missed opportunity to not call him, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. Because the audience, the WWE audience knows his dad. But, like, obviously they look very similar. And I know that the the, the story here is, like, that he's using a different name because, like, because of that. Like, because it's like, uh, um, it's like the people who really raised him kind of situation is what it seems like. I, I didn't, I have not seen the promo, to be fair. I've seen some of the transcript from it. I've seen, like, a like a screen, like a still image of it. But I haven't heard it yet and watched it yet. But um, that seems to be the gist, unless I'm misunderstanding. Is that, like, it's... basically his dad didn't raise him. So he's using the, cert, the, the names of the people who really did. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's also that, like, you know, I didn't know my dad because he was basically wrestling and wrestling destroyed my dad and it destroyed me. But I'm coming back to the business that has caused me this pain, but I'm not going to be my father type of thing. So, right. It's it's an interesting take on it. I don't know. I don't know if it's the correct take until I see how it plays. I'm, I was never super high on Brian Pillman Jr. Like I'd. His AEW work didn't like stand out to me above anything else. His his best stuff was just MJF running him down, and he couldn't really fight back from any of that. And then the match with MJF was what it was. Like, no, nothing really stood out of Brian Pillman Jr. being like this guy's got it outside of he's Brian Pillman Jr. So now they're taking that away. Does that make it better? We, we shall see if he can be able to uh, if he's able to adapt and he's able to make something out of it and can make people forget that, um, Hey, I'm Brian Pilma jr. Then it could be a good thing. Uh, I do want to bring this up. Was that WWE's call on the name change? Has WWE been big on promoting Pillman's legacy? They haven't put Brian Pillman like on this giant pedestal or anything. I think it was probably a collaborative idea because I mean, look at Ava rain, Simone Johnson, she went with Ava Rain. Everyone was like, huh? What? Why wouldn't you just be Simone Johnson? Why wouldn't you be The Rock's daughter? She wanted to go in a completely different direction. I do think that there is part of the performer who doesn't want that attachment to their family because then the expectations are going to be what they're going to be. And so I think some performers might just be like, you know what? Like, instead of even try, instead of always having this comparison, because you're always going to have it. Let me just go in a different direction with this. Yeah. And it was the same for Braun Breaker. I think Braun said himself that like he specifically wanted to have a different name, just like, so it, so it, it was all on him pretty much like, and then it kind of turned out kind of good anyway, because of certain stuff like that. He wouldn't associate, you know, we won't get into all that, but um it's kind of a good thing that he that he isn't like you know, y'all y'all know y'all know um anyway i think that uh i think braun breaker is very talented i don't hold i don't hold anything against him obviously for things that people in his family may have said and stuff like that um but it's kind of a good thing that he's his own guy you know it just kind of feels like it worked out good that he's braun breaker and not you know rex steiner at the moment or whatever so Rex Steiner was a cool name, though. It was a really cool name, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yes. Like, yeah. 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 So yeah. it's kind of good that there's not the association there with that at the moment, especially. So, yeah. Don't want, don't and, want any black clouds over somebody who has nothing to do with something their dad's saying, you know? Yeah. So. Uh, 
it, it was weird that he wanted to use his stepdad's name because of yeah everything i saw a lot of people pointing that out that doesn't seem like that relationship was great either um so it's we'll see what what they do with brian pillman jr my expectations are pretty low uh for, sure. for a number of reasons but yes they're low anything else from nxt mania nxt wrestlemania they, they loaded up the show no i think we covered pretty much everything that we needed to um yeah pretty pretty good solid week for wwe uh, uh, a uh, a moral victory as well having the the w and the ratings and the demo um nxt over aw good for them all right jeff Driver wanted us to address that because you know Everyone always wants your thoughts on this, Steven Jensen. On what? Jensen going to address WWE <laughs> turning down Punk. Um, I mean, is that how legitimate? Like, is that really what's happening? I, I it's, this isn't worth putting the graphic up. Probably. Listen, I, I, so listen, I, I'll say this. I did see. Um, was it you're on to let me know, Jeremy? Was it Sean that reported this that I'm about to talk about? About the, there's been a. There's been a lot of reports about this. I think the report of like WWE turned him down did come from Dave. I think that was okay. Dave what about the report putting out of, there the the definitive WWE turned him down. What about the um like a WWE talent had said that this like CM Punk like he wouldn't be able to pull the the same stuff in that locker room? Would you? Know I who believe. I believe that was Sean. I will uh, okay. double check on that, um, but I do believe that was Sean. Now, if there's truth to that, I did think that was pretty funny, obviously. Because, like, you know, the, what I had seen was somebody had reported that, like, they had spoken to WWE talent, and they had said, if CM Punk, basically, if CM Punk comes here, like, we're in a locker room full of people that are just going to beat him up. Like if he if he's if he swings at us like we're just gonna kick his ass basically like it's just not that those things are just not going to happen here, um so I did think that was pretty funny, um and pretty and, and and probably accurate as well, um you know I don't want to get do it on the CM Punk rabbit hole we don't have time for it and y'all you already know how I feel about the guy and you might hear a little something in this interview coming up that might allude to you know in a little bit too but like I think that uh. I think that he couldn't pull that stuff. I mean, here's the thing. Everyone, all these WWE fans and, and CM Punk fans that are so optimistic about him returning to WWE if he was going to are like, see, he wouldn't be able to do that in WWE. And it's like, well, he already did. Like, he wasn't swinging on people the last time probably because, you know, those people are all bigger than him, you know. But when he's in an environment, you know, with people that are smaller than he is that have no fighting experience, I think he feels comfortable swinging on people or, you know, you know, having these confrontations with people. Um and I still think that would happen in the WWE. But even in the WWE, once again, it all it would take would be him getting angry again and, and leaving and not coming back. I mean, that's what happened last time. He was in the WWE, just quit. So, I mean, what would stuff? Well, do, do, do WWE fans and punk fans really want that to happen? He gets halfway through a, like a big storyline in the WWE and then just just takes his ball and goes home because he's he's butt hurt over something. Like, what does that accomplish for anybody? You know what I mean? That's kind of how I imagine it would ultimately pan out. So, so to hear that uh, WWE apparently doesn't want him there, honestly, isn't surprising at all. Because why would you? You you get a you get a very short ratings bump, um, and then his in ring talent will not match the in ring talent of most people on the show, um, and you have the liability of him potentially 
getting in arguments, literally fighting people and then quitting the company or getting fired during his contract and causing problems backstage and having to be around people that already don't like him because of previous experiences they've already had with him. So I just don't see why you would deal with him at all personally. So this is the, the quote. It was from Sean. Um, it's on Fightful Select, best $5 in the business or best $51 per year in the business. Uh, one top star said that Punk knows, quote, he wouldn't be able to pull any of the, his shit here. There's nobody here he could jump without getting his ass handed to him. So, That's facts. That's 100% facts. And there's all there's and, and most of the AEW locker room wouldn't have a problem with him either. But I think a lot of them were afraid to lose their jobs because he's you know Tony Khan's favorite wrestler. You know, it, just, it was a it was a bad spot to be in if you were against CM Punk while he was in AEW. Um, and once again, I think a lot of these fights and stuff were happening because these people were smaller than him with no experience in fighting. Um, you you can't that that WWE locker room. Think of the top stars in that company and what most of those people look like in their backgrounds. And yes, Punk has no chance. You you can sit here and talk all day about CM Punk training at Rufus Sport for the better part of a decade, training with the Pettis brothers, fighting in the UFC and all that stuff. The dude can't fight. And that's just a fact. Anyway, we can move on to another uh, another topic. <laughs> we had a, Jeff Valley Driver, a friend of the show. He he he's always very supportive. So we had to address that. Thank yep. you, Jeff Valley Driver. Appreciate that, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to our other spotlight. Our product is what it is. We are going straight up the middle. MLW Slaughterhouse this Saturday, October 14th. Uh, it's on Fight Plus. They got a big show headlined by Alex Kane defending the world heavyweight title against David Boy Smith Jr. They got Minoru Suzuki against Jacob Fatu as well. They got Domi Exo against a phantom mystery opponent. We shall see who they're able to bring in. On that, spin the wheel, make the deal with the uh, Second Gear crew and the calling. The big matches on the show as well. What are you looking forward to on this uh, show, Jensen? Man, there's a lot of good stuff because they're also doing like tapings for Fusion that night, that night too. So like Matt Cardona versus a mystery opponent. It'll be good seeing him in MLW doing his thing. He's killing it everywhere he's at. Um, I'm looking forward to Hot Sauce Tracy Williams versus Griffin McCoy. A lot of people don't know Griffin, but he's um, he's been killing it on the indies for a while, especially in companies like JCW. He was a part of Young, Dumb, and Broke with Jordan Oliver and, and those dudes. And, like, he's ready to – I think I feel like he's on the brink of, like, really having, like, some breakout moments. And Tracy Williams is a great opponent to have a great match against. So I think that uh, way more people are going to know about Griffin McCoy coming out of, like, these tapings and, like, fusion coming up and stuff. Um, and also, shout out to my boy O'Shea Edwards. Um, he'll be on uh, the tapings as well as a part of the Bomb AA fight – or the Boom AA Fight Club. Um, I think that uh, O'Shea is super slept on. He was a guy who I thought had a, a lot of potential. And I, I loved his indie work. I got to see him a lot in the Southeast, like Subgraps and in uh, SCI and that kind of stuff. But um, he had a, he had a short run in Ring of Honor before it like shut down. And um, I thought he had he had a lot of potential there um, as a part of Shane Taylor promotions. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad to see him doing well in, in MLW. I'm, I'm a big O'Shea guy. Um, and they're wrestling the main event, who is a really accomplished indie tag team, uh, Jay Lyon and Midas Black. So really good stuff from like an indie perspective, too, even just on like the pre-show of this. Um, Delmi Exo, I'm, I'm imagining she's going to retain her featherweight title regardless of who the opponent is. It was supposed to be Becca. And so that's why we're at um, a mystery opponent because Becca had to pull off. Um, I mean, the Chamber I don't Ford, even know. I don't even know who they bring in for this spot. Like, I'm trying to rack my brain of of who's possible and there's good talents on the we're going to talk about some of the the women's independent talent um here in a second when we get to the revolver 
women's grand prix like they, there's good talent i'm just i don't even know who they could possibly who they might bring in on this do you have any thoughts of who could maybe be because i feel like the, the names that come to my mind are kind of already like signed like you know yeah. billy billy's not coming in or anything i i don't know if trisha dora is signed. i know i was thinking about her too but she's in ring of honor often too so i don't yeah i don't yeah. know if she has any kind of deal with them What's Jordan Grace's status? Is she with Impact again? She's she's or, with Impact. Is she yeah, okay? Yeah. She's with Impact. Um, um I, Vert Vert Vixen was just on AW television. I don't think she signed though. Allison K, uh, maybe I don't know. I don't think she signed anywhere. Uh, but yeah, like there's so much talent that's like they it feels like to, a lot of them signed. They need to hit up NWA and just work something out to get Kenzie Page in there. That would be like my like preferable like if they could get like champion versus champion or something like yeah i don't know know either of them well i know it's unlikely but i'm just trying to think like just something that would be like kind of big you know like uh yeah like like we mentioned lady frost in the chat but i do think she i think she's with ring of honor AEW. um i don't know the actual status of these people's contracts so and how available they are so that's hard that's i don't i don't know who's available so that's why i don't know who who could even do the show but there's a lot of talented women out there. It's just, I mean, we bring her up all the time. So you, so you're wreck. Yeah. She's kind of like not in that world though. You really only see her in like the, like GCW and like, um, I mean, you see her a little around the Indies, but I mean, I could see her in that spot though. That'd be interesting against Selmy So I don't know. I really, I really don't know who's going to, who's going to fill, fill that, fill that role. Um, Cause I, once again, I just don't know who's available to be able to do it. But I think just for what it's worth, I think, I think Delmi Exo versus uh, versus Kenzie Page would be a really, really good match. I kind of have that like stuck in my head now because Kenzie's doing so great in the NWA. Um, she's like one of the high, I know a lot of people don't like the NWA product. I understand that. But she's like a she's a star. Like people should at least be paying attention to her. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. But I but I imagine Delmi Exo will retain. Um, yeah. And then uh, RSP versus Manders, I think, is going to be really damn good. And it'd be a huge win for Manders, but I think they'll keep the title on RSP. Like, I expect the SGC to win Chamber, Chamber of Horrors. I think Justice and, Man- and Mance are going to win the Chamber of Horrors match. But, like, I think the calling is still going to have a pretty good night where I think RSP is going to retain the National Point title and Akira is going to retain the middleweight title and also in the historic NWA welterweight title. See, that's the other thing. There is kind of a crossover there. The NWA is involved, kind of, with Rocky Romero having that title on the line. Um, that, that's more well, like a, a CMLL. It is. It thing. isn't. It, it it isn't. You're right. I mean, historically, especially, most of the champions are like of like Hispanic descent, like you know, and stuff, and defend the and, title like in Mexico and stuff. But SB3 Fightful substitute teacher in the chat. MLW just made a deal with CMLL, so I expect Stephanie Vacker, uh, who was incredible, had the great match with Mercedes Monet. Resurgence is coming over. CMLL is a bunch of uh, female talent. I was that's thinking, I don't. I'm not well versed on CMLL, um, but I was thinking it could be a CMLL talent. And uh, yeah, I know people are, are high on a Vacker. So it could, it could be her. It certainly could. Yeah. So th- these are all good shouts, you know. And also, you know, we got a dream match between Suzuki and Fatu. Um, that's going to be a badass match. Um, Suzuki obviously just had a, a war with Eddie Kingston. And um, Fatu is in the spot where, like, you know, he was the longtime MLW World Heavyweight Champion. He was then the National Opioid Champion. And he's been heavily involved as, like, if not their main guy, one of their main guys for years and years now. 
Um, so if he's not going to be involved in a title, at least he's got a big match against Suzuki that should get a lot of attention, should be a good match. And I fully expect Alex Kane to retain the MLW Heavyweight Championship over Davey Boy Jr. in the main event. But uh, but I think it's going to be a really good match. And I think it's interesting, like, you know, like Don King is the promoter for Boom IA. It's like so weird seeing Don King like on MLW television, like promoting Alex Kane's matches. Like for people who don't know, Don King was like, he was the famous, you know, Mike Tyson boxing promoter and stuff. But in like recent years, when I see Don King, usually like I've seen him promoting boxing matches in recent years that are in like, there might be 20 fans in the building and like he's, and he's out on the microphone, you know, just yelling and trying to hype the fights up and nobody cares, but it's really cool to see, like he's actually way better served in MLW than what I've been seeing him doing in boxing in recent years. So it's actually kind of cool that the, the tie in there for, for fight fans. So, but I'm looking forward to slaughterhouse. I think it's going to be a good MLW show. It'll be on fight plus it'll be live. So, I mean, there you go. Shout out MLW doing the right things, putting on live events that we can watch and, the the fusion episodes will air just within a couple of weeks of of the tapings on like six months from the tapings like it used to be and this is how you keep momentum for your company and keep people interested in watching the shows this is all good stuff uh, we got an interview we got an interview with alex kane up on fightful overbooked if anybody wants to to go check that out who's on in the weeds yesterday we're supposed to have another mlw guest tomorrow on in the weeds um i i hate saying it because I don't like, I always think things are going to fall through. So I do the same. I hate, yeah. I hate, I hate advertising who we're going to talk to before we do. Cause it does, it sometimes it does fall through. <laughs> yeah. Like, so yeah. We're, we're hopeful. Everything MLW has been, been good to us. They they've never, everything's always worked out when it comes to, to guests. So I don't have any reason to believe that it won't work out, but again, I, you never know with these things. Uh, it is, it is a, a pretty big, pretty big guest in the, the world of MLW though. And we just had the world heavyweight champion on. So everyone can uh, go check out that interview if you would like. Uh, and yeah, check out Slaughterhouse this Saturday. I will not watch it live. I'll be at collision on Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be dual screening. I'm sure I'll try to watch, watch everything I can. I will hopefully be watching Brian Danielson win the TNT title live. That's the hope. There you I go. Give a big mother fucking shout out. Indie spotlight. We just kind of mentioned it. Billy Starks winning the Wrestling Revolver Women's Grand Prix. She defeated Marina Shafir in the finals uh, on on her run there. She defeated Trish Dora and Rachel Armstrong. Jensen, I, I mean, Billy Starks is signed. She's confirmed she's signed to AEW. Obviously, a, a nice little feather in her cap to to win this. And good on uh, women's our uh, Wrestling Revolver for basically doing an all women's show. And, and doing this Grand Prix. And they got Jordan Grace, who can sign to Impact. Impact and Revolver have a good relationship, even though Callahan is now a free agent. Like, a lot of Impact talent comes over to Revolver. And I hope that continues, because I think Revolver is doing a lot of really good stuff on the independent scene. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. And, and, you know, Rachel Armstrong, um, one of one of uh, Billy's opponents, she's been doing really, really well lately. Like she won the uh, the Sydney City Invitational uh, Future Showcase earlier this year. Um, Mouse actually is who got her on my radar. Like he was talking her up a lot before I heard anyone talk about Rachel Armstrong, and um, she she's going to be someone to really keep your eyes on. Um, but yeah, Billy killing it. I mean, what's what's there to say about Billy Sarsa has already been said. I mean, I think she's going to be like the biggest star in wrestling. It's inevitable. Um, she's already well on her way there. Um, also really cool because you know Renee Paquette and uh and John Moxley were involved in this too. Like they came out and you know panned the trophy to to Billy and celebrated for or with her and stuff. And like they made a really big deal out of this. Um 
And it's just cool seeing people like Moxley want to be involved, you know, on their time off. People like Renee want to be involved on their time off. Like it's, that's huge. Um, it's absolutely humongous for, for indie wrestling. I mean, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, this is a great tournament. Like there, there's a lot of great talent in this thing. Um, I know that there's a lot of like talk pretty often about like AEW specifically, like them not having enough women's matches or like certain companies not showcasing women's wrestling as much as you'd like. Um, even floating ideas about all women shows and, um, really just all just you know shows for like specific backgrounds in general like to like highlight you know specific talents and stuff like that you know i'm i'm obviously not against any of this stuff i think it's i think they're like shows like for the culture have been like super super successful in highlighting like african-american talent um there have been all women shows like this that i think are really important and highlight all female talent um and i guess my point in saying all this is like we are so lucky to live in this world of wrestling right now where like even if you're a huge women's wrestling fan and you're in a diehard AEW fan and you're sitting there and you're frustrated because you're like, damn, like you're just not showing enough of the women I want to be seeing in the ring. I understand that hundred percent, but like pop on wrestling revolver, like there's an entire show worth of phenomenal female talent right there that you can watch, you know, like there, there's so many options. Um, you know, should, should there be more representation across the board? Sure. Like I'm not, I'm not arguing that, but I'm just saying like, there are some really damn good all women shows and stuff like that available. It's just, you gotta, you gotta know about them. You gotta find them, seek them out. But when you got someone like Billy Starks, who's doing so well, who's become so popular winning stuff like this too, it draws eyes to it. People go, man, I know a lot of people didn't know about Billy before ring of honor. And now they're sitting there going, I've seen Billy on ring of honor. She's like Athena's protege. Wait, what's she doing? She won this tournament over here. They, they turn the tournament on and they're like, wait, who's Trisha Dora? Who's Vert Vixen? I'm like, they're probably some Trisha Dora on, on Ring of Honor, but you know what I mean? They're, you know, they're, who's Rachel Armstrong and who are these people? And like, all of a sudden you become a fan of this whole, this whole show full of women, you know? I mean, the, the Billy Starks Athena stuff is by far the best thing going on, on ROH TV. Cause at least the champion is on ROH <laughs> right. TV and it, involved in, in, a, in an actual storyline, not just, Hey, here's a match for the sake of doing a match this week yeah that's by far the best stuff on roh tv um congrats to billy starks and you know we've talked her up plenty on this show um and she's gonna continue to be one of the biggest stars in wrestling in in the next decade so jensen i know you gotta run let everybody know where they find you at yes um you can find me on twitter or x i I just realized our like our graphics aren't on here um like our like handles i guess we can add that next week um oh, we got I mean, some new graphics there you go and you can just put your yes that um, that was a that's a hockey reference oh uh, i see yeah. okay um well uh but i i do i uh, thank you gizberto for the new graphics and stuff too. i think this looks i think this looks great um so you can follow me find me on x or twitter or whatever um fight talk underscore f-i-g-h-t-t-a-l-k underscore use code fight talk always one word no spaces on independent wrestling.tv just lets the platform know that i'm sending you their way um, you can listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. That's usually on Sundays, sometimes on Mondays, depending on the Vikings football schedule, what I'm doing with my family over the weekend, during the football season, and if like GCW or other, there's a lot of indies running like big Sunday shows right now because they used to run Saturdays and they don't want to go head to head with Collision now. So like they're doing their shows on Sundays instead. So that has been pushing the weekender to like later Sunday nights or having to record them on Mondays. So that's just full transparency for anyone who might 
noticed that my upload schedule is a little weird for that show during the football season. It, it's all of those factors. But the main factor, honestly, is that a lot of the indie shows that I want to cover are running on Sundays now, and I have to have the time to watch the show, know what's going on, and be able to talk about it on the weekender. But you can check that out on FightfulSelect.com. Um, I mainly just cover the world of indie wrestling. I, I probably I probably recapped like 12 indie shows on this past episode. So um, so check that out. And uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's everything I've got. Enjoy this uh, interview you're about to hear with Matt Mikowski. Um, dude is awesome. Uh, he's an MMA fighter, or technically a former MMA fighter, but implements a lot of his MMA style into professional wrestling. He's a fantastic pro wrestler. Um, and uh, this is a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Good guy. I'm, I'm, I'm very much a Matt Mikowski fan. Um, so, Jeremy, I'm, uh, it was good to see you, man. Good to see the chat. I'm going to go clock in for the shoot job. And uh, you guys have a great day and a great weekend. And you'll hear from me next. Actually, you know what? You'll hear from me next. I don't want to forget to plug this. This Saturday morning. I don't know what time we're going to do. Probably 930 in the morning. You don't even know, I guess. Me and, me and SP3 I don't know doing, any of these things. Me, me and SP3 are doing Degrassi Dudes this Saturday morning. Okay, um, I'm glad you told me because yeah, I sorry. like to upload interviews. And no, stuff I know, I know. Morning. I thought I thought so. I already told you, but like, because me and him, we schedule <laughs> it so far in advance that like by the time it comes around, I'm like, oh shit, that's this Saturday. So, um, sorry, this Saturday morning, I believe it'll be like 9:30 in the morning. So okay. just so you know, um, fightful overbooked. Me and SP3 will be. Are, are you cool with us doing a live that morning? I don't care. No, okay, I, cool. I never okay. care when you, when you guys do this, I just need to know from my own scheduling. No, I know. I understand. I, I completely forgot that we didn't keep you in the loop this time, but anyway, we'll, we'll be live on Fightful Overbooked um, Saturday morning. I think at like nine 30 in the morning and we'll, uh, we'll tweet out links before we go live and it'll be a talk probably about like Degrassi. Um, we like to talk about that show together and a bunch of like nineties stuff. So it'll be, it'll be a, a good, a good conversation, a nostalgic conversation for all you like, 80s and 90s kids early 2000 kids out there so uh, once again i'm already late for work i'm probably gonna get complained at for, for showing up late but it was worth it to plug the stuff that's going on i guess um once again good seeing you jeremy good seeing the chat you guys have a good day thanks buddy thanks as always jensen um there you go we will get into our interview with matt mikowski yes follow me on x at fight talk underscore um get into our interview with Matt Mikowski, who is very, very generous. Uh, we went about 52, 52 minutes, talked about his MMA career. He fought in Strike Force Elite XC back in the day, back when that was kind of the number two brand in America, fought for Bellator, early days of Bellator as well, and now transitioned into professional wrestling. Talk about competing at Bloodsport, um, ROH before they went on hiatus, his goals in wrestling, different techniques and stuff. So a very fun very fun interview with Matt Mikowski. Uh, everyone can go support him. The links are below. And now we will get into it, guys. Uh, from the world of independent professional wrestling, you may have seen him on ROH during the pandemic. If you were watching ROH during the pandemic, you may have seen him on JCW this past weekend. He was on the Pumpkin Spice show this past weekend. Uh, or GCW, the Bloodsport shows. Here we go. Matt Mikowski, everybody. Welcome to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight. I am Steven Jensen, joined as always by Jeremy Lambert. And our guest today is a former MMA fighter, a current professional wrestler. He is the evolution of combat, the king of the cross-arm breaker, Weapon X, Matt Mikowski, joining the show today. Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, man? Good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate yeah. you coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're someone we wanted to have on for a while because... Um, I'm a big MMA fan and a big pro wrestling fan. So like you're 
in both of those worlds, uh, successful in both of those worlds. Um, before we get into all that, um, it's great to have you back in wrestling, man. After that, after that long layoff and that injury, it's really great to see you back, dude. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 Well, what was the road to recovery like? Because I, I know I've seen you tweet about that a bit. Like, I know, I know it was a, a bit of a struggle to get back and kind of like a long road. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, torn ACL is never, uh, uh, you know, an easy injury. I don't, I don't believe. And um, I just, I wanted to make sure I, I didn't come back. I'd rather come back too late than too early. You know, um, uh, I'll be. I'll be 37 in a, in a week. So, (laughs) so I, um, you know, another kind of big thing like that might, might kind of spell the, the end, uh, for me. I don't know, but, uh, I just, um, yeah, I just kind of made sure I had all my ducks in a row before I, uh, before I got back in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, was that something you you dealt with kind of like, I mean, being 37, you had a whole MMA career, you know, prior to this big, you know, wrestling run you're on. Is that something you've always kind of dealt with, like throughout MMA, kind of throughout your whole life, through training, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like dealing with injuries and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's going to come with the territory when it comes to combat sports or just physical sports in general and then and aging. Like I, I watch I watch a lot of – I'm a big sports fan all around. Like I'm football is probably my uh, – favorite thing i um kind of grew up playing playing football uh in my youth and yeah just like the injury report after you know i play like fantasy right and it's like the injury <laughs> report after each week is like oh my gosh torn this torn that this guy broke his leg it's like <laughs> you know it's like oof. and and watching like mixed martial arts now and or combat sports in general is a little tough for me because i'm just like every little every hit is like i'm just like oh Oh no, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it comes with it. It comes with the territory. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's something you're going to have to deal with. So, um, I've, I've, I've been through, you know, I dealt with stuff in high school and, uh, you know, and then, uh, my MMA career is actually relatively injury free. Uh, well, yeah, for the most part, um, until the end, I guess. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I just, gotten a gotten a pro wrestling and it, and it really wasn't because of pro wrestling that I got injured it was just a kind of a freak thing and like I was doing a a, a judo throw in a match and my knee just wasn't having that so um you know just kind of a freak thing and um you know I've had a, a good handful of matches since I've been back I feel great and um yeah just kind of keep on keep on going till till the wheels fall off here <laughs> I want to ask about the transition from MMA to pro wrestling. What made you kind of go, go that direction? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good question. I could probably talk for a bit about that, but the short story is, um, you know, kind of getting out of MMA in, in 2010. Um, I basically just needed something new for myself. Uh, I kind of went a few years just kind of, doing what I was doing. I was coaching at a gym, uh, doing personal training, um, you know, just kind of just getting by, I guess. And, uh, I kind of fell into like a a pretty deep depression and it just like, I didn't really have anything going on. Um, and, uh, I I had always thought I would always like, kind of like, maybe I could try wrestling. Like I, I grew up watching wrestling as a kid. Um, 
I kind of fell back in love with it in the in the late 2000s um, through Chikara in Philadelphia. And um, I don't know, I would always kind of go to like wrestling school websites and like just peruse and like check it out. And then and then finally the the wrestle factory in, in, in Philly was would do these like free like a free thing, you know, um, like a trial class or basically. And I was like, what do I have to lose? I'm going to check this out. And I went there and it was like, I was like, this is, this is great. This is awesome. It's just like, a lot of it's like, just like jujitsu or like a, like a martial arts class is very similar. And like, and it roll, like all the basics, like rolling and, and break falling and like bumping as we would call it in wrestling. Right. So I don't know. It just kind of clicked and it was like this new frontier for me. And I was like, it kind of really pulled me out of this funk that I was in, in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I like to credit pro wrestling for, for really kind of pulling me out of this. I mean, you could talk to my, talk to my wife and everything about how I was in those little, like I call it like the dark ages, but, um, so yeah, wrestling kind of pulled me out of the dark ages and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that's kind of the, the main like transition in terms of my, like my life. But, um, as far as like, maybe more like the sports end of it, you know, I was watching people like, uh, Tom Lawler, Shayna Baszler, uh, you know, there's even some like Dom Garini, uh, who's a, who's a jujitsu practitioner. Um, obviously Ronda Rousey was, uh, she, when, when, when did she start? Like mid 2000, 2010s or whatever, like 2015, 2016. Is that when she'd started? Anyway, it was something around uh, around that time, and um, uh, and Riddle too, um, you know. And I'm like, you know, this is something I've always wanted to try. And again, I was like, let me let me give this a shot. And uh, you know, I went to that free class where I had nothing to lose, and and then uh, from there it was like I didn't have to commit to anything crazy in terms of like tuition at the school. There was like a it was basically a seven week like beginner course that was like, you know, 200 bucks or something. And I was like, Hey, this, this is, this was fun. Let me, let me try this, you know? So, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And then uh, a couple of months later, I kind of signed up for like full-time training and uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of pretty much how that got started. Some, uh, you know, some of the names you mentioned, um, like filthy Tom Lawler, for instance, I know you wrestled him and if I remember correctly, y'all were building to a rematch prior to your injury in BLP, I believe. Yeah, um, I, that was a match that was scheduled uh, before I got hurt. Yeah. What's it like actually wrestling him? Like you saw him make that transition because I remember him as like a top five, like light heavyweight in the UFC. And he was always like the flamboyant flashy, like Dana White hated him because he would come out like the, the funny ring gear with the funny entrance music and stuff like that. And then he was like the perfect person to make the move into pro wrestling yeah, with his skill set and his, his, uh, is kind of a whole presentation and it is as a character and everything. Yeah, no, I, uh, Tom's great. I mean, I, um, you know, we, we chat from time to time. Um, and, uh, yeah, getting to wrestle him was a, uh, basically a bucket list thing for me in terms of my wrestling career. Uh, so I, I can't thank BLP enough for, for making that happen. Um, and yeah, I mean, to to be able to wrestle him a second time was going to be uh, amazing. And yeah, it just kind of, kind of fell through there because of the injury and everything. 
Well, there should be plenty more opportunities for that. I mean, you guys are in similar circles all over the, the world of the Indies. And it's, I mean, I, I love the the transition, like, or just this, the the way you incorporate MMA into pro wrestling, especially like what's like your moveset and everything. I mean, you're, you may be the first person we've ever interviewed and you're on a, a short list anyways that would even have this where you have a sure dog page and, you know, a uh, cage match page. Yeah. So like, you know, um, so, uh, I mean, it's wild. Like, I mean, for people who might not know this, you, you rear naked choked Joe Schilling. I mean, that's like pretty badass. Even just like have that on your resume in general. Yeah. Um, thanks. That's, yeah, probably, yeah. that's one of my, uh, yeah, that's one of my like feathers in my cap, you know, <laughs> but a lot of, um, uh, wrestling, uh, fans, they don't know who Joe Schilling is, but like, that was, that was huge for me in the moment. He, he, he wasn't even, I knew he was like super dangerous i don't think he was world champion i think he became world champion after i fought him in mixed martial arts um but yeah w there's this joke um that a buddy of mine since he knocked out melvin manhoff um <laughs> it's like a kevin bacon thing where it's like i beat fedor yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like melvin beat so-and-so who beat so-and-so who beat fedor or something and yeah i don't know I always kind of joke about that, but yeah, Joe, that was a huge fight for me. That was like my, I think my second fight. I mean, my, my pro wrestling career uh, has mirrored my MMA career a lot in, in a lot of ways in terms of like my MMA career wasn't very long, but I did a lot of cool stuff or stuff I'm very proud of in a short period of time. And it's very similar with wrestling. Um, I, I accomplished a lot of the stuff I wanted to do, like within like the, I mean, not, I'm not bragging about this at all. And I had humble goals, but um, like within the first six months, I, I was on Chikara's King of Trios. I was in Bloodsport and uh, I wrestled at Beyond Wrestling. And those were three of my big indie wrestling goals. Um, so, I mean, honestly, everything after this has been kind of like icing on the cake. I'm just trying to just rolling with the punches and, and doing, doing the best I can. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the most people. I'm glad you brought up Joe Schilling before bringing up the Nick Sarah thing, because you know that's usually what I get. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if I elaborate that, and you can't on that <laughs> as well. You they absolutely can. I, I I mean, Joe Schilling. I mean, if people don't even know who he is, he's been on like Joe Rogan show. Yeah. Up. I mean, he's 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 become very well known. And for people who don't know, he's a world champion kickboxer who did have some MMA fights, and you defeated him in MMA with the rear naked choke. Which is, yeah, yeah. yes, I mean, just that that is. But no one else on the show has ever choked out Joe Schilling. That's for sure. so, <laughs> yeah. um, I was I was going to bring up the Nick Sarah fight kind of in a different way. Yeah. And just that like you were part of those elite XC days when they were like a kind of a true challenger brand. And like what they were doing was a lot of pro wrestling mixed into it. I mean, mm. the Kembo slice. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, With the promotion for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, like the big, the big, like kind of wrestling stage. I borrowed a lot of elements from Pride and everything. Yes. I went to, I went to a lot of those Elite XC shows. I was there when Fedor knocked out Brett Rogers, uh, Fedor and Giant Silva. I was at that show. Like I was at a bunch of these uh, shows and, and Kimbo. And I was not at Kimbo and Thompson. I was at the the infamous Kimbo Petrozelli. Petrozelli, yeah. yeah. Yes, that was supposed to be Shamrock, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was cut in the back beforehand. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, that was know. that was a crazy night. But being, I mean, you were part of the the first Elite XC prime time show, and like you know what happened in the fight happened in the fight but just like being part of that like what are, what are your memories from that uh it's i mean it was pretty incredible i um 
I came yeah. out wearing Legion of Doom shoulder pads. <laughs> By the way, I remember like, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I made like a mask out of plastic that was like his face paint, and I, I it was just, it's always been in me like a little bit, like at least I, I, the fandom. I, um, I did the, I think I did the Triple H water spit when I came out, like, <laughs> but yeah, really cool staged, long, like a long uh, walkway to the ring. Presentation yeah. was awesome um yeah and i just you know i was a blue belt at the time and i was uh fighting a you know a, a, an accomplished jujitsu practitioner i realize he's not the greatest mixed martial arts fighter but in a grappling match he probably would have beat me 10 out of 10. um and uh yeah so i had been training my my balls off in like submission defense and obviously my, my striking was was much better than his um uh, but yeah, it was a it was a big fight for me. It was a one of a former world champion's brother. I know he's not his brother, uh, you know, but it's um, it, it was a big deal for me at the time. Like I'm uh, I'm like 20 years old, or, uh, and yeah, it was you know the people like shit on that fight now, and like and uh, a lot of weird a lot of weird stuff. It's been on it's been on a lot of crazy compilations like weirdest mma finishes and stuff like that because of the way it ended um which i think is it's weird because i think people don't i hit him i kick him in the leg then he sits down but the way the camera cuts it looks like he just sits down randomly so i think people don't realize that i kicked him then he sat but I'm, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> well, because well, what you're getting at, well, to be fair, what you're getting at is basically a TKO from a leg kick versus yeah. DQ by not standing up, basically. Well, so, I mean, you guys watch Mixed Martial Arts, and I, I, this is 2008. Re mixed Martial Arts, as we know, it's still, you know, relatively new. It's just getting on – that was the first nationally televised event, right? Um, that, that match wasn't – that was on the undercard. But um, – so, like, people are probably like, why – leg kick like leg kicks there's still not very like it's not really like a thing that's uh you know that the uh, common fight fan is aware of or, or realizes can maybe end a fight um so yeah i always took it as a tko via leg kicks and uh yeah i know on share dog that's probably the biggest thing on share dog yeah. it's listed as dq refusal to get up from butt scoot <laughs> yeah uh, and that's why it gets so much attention <laughs> but um it was a TKO being like, I don't know. I guess it was, but I don't know. Kevin, Kevin Mulhall was the ref. Great ref. Um, he had warned him earlier. Uh, I think cause he kind of, he, he wouldn't get up earlier. Cause I didn't want to go down into his guard. I wasn't trying to like grapple with the guy. Um, sure. so I'm like, get up, you know? And, and then the second time he like, didn't get up. So Mulhall disqualified him. Uh, I don't know where the whole DQ refusal to get up from butt scoot thing came from. But. <laughs> that that's got to be the most hilarious like way of victory, though. Yeah, like, just really. as a listing, if somebody is just like reading that, like... <laughs> of course, that's why it's made so many lists. Yes. I, that comes yeah. up. It comes up like every other year now. <laughs> Some MMA YouTuber will make a video about the you know weirdest MMA finishes, and I'm on it. Someone will tag me in it, or you know, send it to me, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so funny, though. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I was and I, I was three and zero after that, um, and then kind of got like thrown to the wolves a little bit with my next fight. Um, 
you know, Eric Apple, who's nine and one, his only loss was to a former WEC welterweight champion. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I got promoted after that fight. I was a purple belt now, but uh, yeah. So maybe a little in over my head um, in my next uh, match, but kind of rebounded a little bit and then ended up in, in Bellator. Um, the matchmaker, uh, it's kind of, you know, right place, right time. The matchmaker for Bellator at the time, um, was from Philly and was familiar with a lot of the local talent and everything. So yeah, I was on Bellator two, which I'm proud of the second Bellator ever. I don't know that. What are they at now? Um, 300. Okay. Bellator 300. There you go. <laughs> you know, I feel old, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> proud of, of what I, like I said, I'm proud of what I did in a short period of time. I was on Bellator two and Bellator 11. I, I won my, my fight at, at Bellator two. Um, uh, yeah. And then I, I lost Bellator at Bellator 11 and then um, kind of knew that I was, I was dealing with some injuries with um, my back and everything. And I, I didn't want to kind of end like I did. So did one more. I fought the 2300 arena in South Philly and a local promotion in the main event and, and uh, got the W there and, and kind of felt good about how things, how things were at that point. So you had um so that's 2010. And then yeah. when when did you actually like debut or actually I really training like to know you were going to make an attempt at pro wrestling, then make your actual in-ring debut? Because I know there there had to have been quite a gap there between 2010 and when you there, actually it was. There yeah. was. Yeah, that's what that's the dark ages there. Oh, okay. Um, I see, I see. Gotcha. I didn't know how <laughs> long that those, those dark ages lasted. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was you. like uh to 20 2016 um is when I first stepped into a pro wrestling ring to to start training um i took those like trial classes and right. stuff um and then uh and then by 2018 which is a bit of time but 2018 i started full-time training gotcha and then your in-ring debuts were around 2019 yeah so i mean the wheels if you guys know anything yeah. about chikara uh the wheels of chikara turn very slowly it's very story story driven and uh it was um you know, we were part of this this storyline that kind of wasn't ready to kind of be unveiled yet. So uh, I started training in January 2018 and debuted May of uh, 2019 in Chicago. Wow. And then so. So we're talking 2019. Now it's yeah. 2023, about a year or so off. So, I mean, you're that's, yeah. And being 37 doing this and still being like pretty young in the run, but having accomplished a lot. Like you said, I, I think you, you first got on my radar through Beyond Wrestling is when mm -hmm. I first started really seeing you often on IWTV. Um, what, I mean, that's what, what's it like being at 37 doing this now? Because you always hear the stories like DDP starting at 35, yeah. but like he didn't have an MMA career prior to that i, uh, you I appreciate you saying ddp too because i think about that all the time i kind of like tell myself i'm like you're the D you're the new ddp you're the you know <laughs> you're the this generation's ddp but um because yeah i mean my goal would be to 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 make it you know to get maybe get signed but i, I realize uh you know i've had talks with some people from some companies and when they find out how how old i am i don't hear from them anymore so uh <laughs> you know i yeah. look i i'm you know uh again I'm, I'm very happy with what i've accomplished uh with, with uh you know in the short period of time even you know with the layoff now it's like it's weird that there is that gap where i didn't wrestle for like a year and a half but like and mentally it doesn't feel like that it feels like i've been in it the whole time um 
which I, I know is not true because uh, they're yeah, I, like you said, debuted officially in, in 2019 and then had that had the large layoff. So, yeah, I mean, for, you know, for the normal wrestling terms, that's not a lot of time, uh, you know, that, that, that that's still very young in my career, you know, um, but it doesn't necessarily feel that way <laughs> to me. Sure. It almost feels like the MMA stuff was like all part of it. It's like all, everything that I write. It's like that quote, like everything I've done has led me to this point. So um, I just kind of went a different way about it. Um, you know, some people look at me crazy when, when I say this, but like, uh, you know, I, I got out of mixed martial arts fairly young, uh, you know, just again, short story, like physically financially and mentally it wasn't it wasn't worth it for me uh and then people be like oh she got into wrestling and i'm like well <laughs> i'm like well yeah <laughs> I, I i have a i went to school at uh temple for like film and media arts i never really like did anything professionally in that realm but uh like making media and and telling stories and things like that is definitely a passion of mine and honestly pro wrestling is like this it's like it's me it's like physicality the the combat sports element the 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 storytelling the you know fantasy it's just there's so many elements that i like love about pro wrestling i feel it is like the most underrated art form in on the planet um and yeah i, I and i'm very grateful that i'm able to to keep doing it right now so i'm gonna keep doing my best to you know uh, just keep trucking forward until again, <laughs> until the wheels fall off here. I I did want to ask about the you mentioned top companies. They 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 find out your age, and then you don't you don't know about things. But there you were with a a company at the end of 2021, yeah, yeah, yeah. pandemic with ROH, and you were part of the the top prospect show. And you, you mentioned like you are still kind of a, a prospect and sort of in the world of wrestling, despite being 37. But were there any future plans with that? Because that was when they went right on hi hiatus, right after, basically right yeah. after th those shows. Yeah, no, that's a that's a big bummer for me, you know, uh, having the foot in the door. Uh, basically, at what the goal was for me, you know, it's pretty much been uh, ROH, AEW. Um, I, you know, I don't talk. I'm talking about it with you guys, and I know this is going to be public and everything. I, at this point, I don't care anymore talking about my age. I I, I look a little bit younger than I am, uh, so I kind of get away with that. <laughs> I would never people, have known. Like yeah, I think, yeah. Jeremy, you might have, when I said I was 37. Oh shit, he's 37. <laughs> yeah, you're. I mean, you're yeah. older than me, and you look way younger than me. Okay. So. <laughs> same, same. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, it's where I have. But um. I, yeah, I don't, I don't care as much anymore. I, I get, like, and honestly, with a company like AEW, it's like if I feel like they they're more open to you know signing people that are passionate or or, or can they can sell in the moment, not necessarily investing in uh, like a ten year plan or which may or may not be smart. I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not gonna kind of get into that, but like, um, you know. I, I, in my heart, I still feel like it's possible. So I'm going to keep going for it. You know, <laughs> um, other companies, maybe not so much. Um, and, and, and that's, and that's fair. You know, I, again, um, we were talking about earlier and get, getting older and 
being more injury prone is absolutely a thing. You're seeing it. We see it. We're seeing it a lot in wrestling right now. Like, man, when when Adam jumped off that that oh. uh, dude, I, I saw it and I was like, oh no. And I, and I, and I, this is one of the reasons I I wanted to also get into wrestling is that I had a little more control over what happens to my body, right? Like with mixed martial arts, the person across from you is literally trying to kill you. And, uh, you know, with wrestling, it's, you know, somebody wants to do certain something and maybe I'm like, uh, yeah, maybe not, maybe not this time, you know, or whatever, or I'll try to change things around so that I feel safe and I'm comfortable with, uh, whatever it is that we're, we're going to do in, in a match. Um, that that's always been that's always been like a big thing for me in in wrestling. It's just having having that control, at least you know a much higher level of control over over what's what's happening uh, in in the matches. Now, something that you have to keep in, into account at all times is is control of your body and also control of your opponent's body. It's just as important to keep your opponent safe in these scenarios as well. It's something that I think you have created that I think is really badass. This is the theme here is badass, by the way. The theme of this interview is badass. The Joe Schilling thing, that may stuff. Your finishing move is badass. Oh, so, appreciate that. Yeah. So I think you've done a great job of mixing the world of MMA and the world of pro wrestling in a move that looks like. So for people that don't know who haven't seen this, your finishing move is like a top rope avalanche cross arm breaker. That I would and, call that, yeah, my super my super finish. Yeah. Um <laughs> I like yes. the the uh chaos theory uh finish too the or the, the mighty mouse he's kind of been up he's oh yeah a lot lately but yeah I, I utilize the mighty mouse probably that's the most yeah that's true that's true but but i i often see people sharing the the avalanche yes, um, yes. <laughs> and um but no the mighty mouse is that's awesome too that's a Thank deep you. cut too for them MMA <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> I very, very much appreciate that too. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong um but what i love so much about the idea of the avalanche cross arm breaker is that like it looks like it would hurt equally bad, like like a superplex would. It's a top rope like bomb, pretty much, mm. and then you're literally landing in the submission hold. It's like yeah. it's like a perfect double whammy of like like a wrestling move for yeah. someone who has an MMA background. How did you come up with that move? So I can't take credit for it at all. I, the first person I saw do it was Kushida in oh. uh, New Japan, and I believe Rocky Romero has used it a lot too. Um, I think there's like a PWG match where maybe Zack Sabre did it one time. Um, but yeah, Kushida was the inspiration. I, I, um, when, when new Japan was on like access TV, I used to watch that a lot. And, uh, yeah, it was him in a match with, uh, Bushi, I believe maybe like a best of the super junior tournament or something like that. Um, yeah, Kushida, uh, definitely another big influence, uh, for me, um, overall in terms of like, stylistically and all that but another guy like kyle o'reilly um he's another guy that kind of inspired me to to uh, maybe you know want to try this out because he again maybe he didn't doesn't have a professional mma background but um definitely a mma background um in terms of his his training and everything i think kyle o'reilly for a guy who doesn't have a professional background is one of the best when it comes to blending all yes. of that uh, stuff. So that's a good yep. shout with with that. And then, you know, speaking of kind of blending stuff, Bloodsport, uh, Bloodsport put on by Josh Barnett, and obviously he likes to put in the different wrestling and MMA techniques and el uh, and elements. And you are a guy who has competed in both. So what was it like, kind of competing in that world as one of the the few guys who has actually also stepped in into the cage? Uh, 
I've been scheduled for a few more than I than I've done, but I've so I've had three blood sport matches, and um, I I'll I'll point to my match with with Simon Simon Grimm. Um, we didn't really call a whole lot, like maybe two three things, and then other than that, we just kind of went out there and basically it would be like a like a hard sparring session or like you know I was like I'm gonna try to palm strike you and you need to try to block it. <laughs> uh, he, 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 he bloodied my nose. He, he head butted me at one point. Um, uh, that's a, that's a shoot. I'm not like, fucking around. Like one point we were grappling and I don't know, he probably didn't do it as hard as he could, but he gave me a head, butt. I always give him shit about that. But, uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they're like, it, I mean, this is, don't want to go off on a tangent, but like the match with um, Barnett and Claudio from last week. Uh, did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have it, you should, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it, with right? Mox on commentary, like explaining who Barnett <laughs> is for people who wouldn't know, too. I thought yeah. that was so good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just I love that was um, that was incredible. Uh, I'm so happy for Josh. Uh, the match. It was just. It was great. Um that's I would love to see more of that on uh you know on television um <laughs> and you know if that that's that's the stuff that I would love to bring to the to the table but uh in terms of blood sport yeah they're definitely some of my favorite matches to I feel like most comfortable uh <laughs> you know doing those types of doing those types of matches and um yeah I mean they they can be a lot of fun very probably more more physical than you know uh, a, a regular match but Again, um, if you have two professionals that have experience with, um, you know, I would say sparring and stuff like that in a in a in a controlled environment, uh, that's basically what you're doing. You're just it's like a controlled a controlled spar where you're not like I'm not I wasn't trying to knock out Simon Grimm, but I'm like making real contact with my palm on his face. If he didn't do anything, like if he just stood there, I think that if you if you go back and watch it. The first one I threw was like much quicker than maybe he was expecting. And I kind of caught him and he's like, Oh shit, this is like, it's going down. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've all been, they've all been great. I, I'm so grateful to have been on those shows and um, I, I look forward to hopefully being on more in the future. Yeah. Something that I think they do so good in that show is just like, and I've seen it at other companies as well, like uh, Paradigm with like their UWFI style shows mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I think I've done a good job with it and stuff, the presentation and, and, but have you, um, you don't need to name names of course, but like as somebody who's been in both worlds, I'm sure you've seen, I, I mean, I know I've seen wrestlers before <laughs> where like you can tell they're trying to implement MMA, but like they don't have a background in it. Like, do you spot that like immediately? And like, what are your thoughts when you see that? Are you just kind of like, you shouldn't be doing this? Or like, do you ever say something about it? Because sometimes it's like really obvious that like they're throwing kicks completely wrong. And like, you know, you, it just, you pick up on it if you watch both. Maybe wrestling fans probably don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is an interesting subject. Um, I, and I kind of appreciate you bringing it up because, uh, I, I, it does bother me when people utilize certain techniques and it's bad. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is wrestling fans don't really know that it's bad. Right. So it might still get cheered or whatever, like, because honestly, pro 
pro wrestling fans, they might still relate to like someone trying to hit someone else. That's still like a thing that you can always relate to. So whether the kick was good or not doesn't really matter. Um, but in terms of like tech, like technique in the, in the kicks, I appreciate that a lot. So when I see people kicking in, in pro wrestling, especially in America, uh, I like, uh, Matt, Matt Seidel comes to mind. Um, uh, Brian Danielson, uh, Malachi Black. Um, those are some of the guys, you know, of course, Kyle. Um, those are some of the guys, like, when they kick, I'm like, you know, like, chef's kiss. I'm like, oh, yes, thank you. Thank you, you know. Uh, because it, I guess this is, again, sorry, a little, little tangent, but, like, like guys like Mox and, and, and Brian doing things like arm bars and leg kicks and stuff, it makes, and now when people watch my matches, they'll be like, they might not think I'm copying them, but it, it becomes like more acceptable in, in a pro wrestling ring um, where when I do it, especially when I first started, I don't get this a lot anymore, but a couple times it'd be like, this isn't MMA or whatever. Yeah. You know, I'd get like some fan would yell that and maybe because I was the bad guy or whatever. But um, now now you're seeing, you know, I, I made a comment about Wrestle Dream the other day. I've never seen that many cross arm breaker attempts in on a, a pay-per-view ever it was like zach had one uh shibata there was i you know i could probably go on there was a there were so many matches with like an arm bar like a a cross arm breaker in it and i was like um you know this this, this is pretty sweet for me (laughs) like i don't know uh it's just becoming a more recognizable thing it's like in pro wrestling when you see somebody slap on a boston crab or like a figure four you almost automatically know at least that that's a submission. Even if you've like, haven't watched much wrestling for some reason, those types of moves are like so iconic that you just get like, even the most like layman of, of wrestling fan kind of knows what's going on. So, um, you know, and this is something I've had to adapt to a little bit. Like sometimes my stuff can go like way over people's heads. I, it, maybe it's a little too complicated. The tra- tra- you know, the grappling or the transitions. Um, that's still something I, I feel like I have gotten a lot better at. But just like trying to keep things simple that the crowd can understand what's going on or show that the the, the struggle is happening and um, you know that my opponent's trying to get out of it and then I'm using some type of technique to like counter that. Um, so that, that's always something I've had to kind of try to adapt to. Cause at the end of the day too, I do want to show like, um, I, I, I do want to show like a, I won't say different cause there are other guys that have been doing this stuff before me, like, like Zach Saber and, uh, John Gresham come to mind. Those are also guys that I watched a lot, um, kind of starting and, and before I got started, cause they utilize a lot of like jujitsu techniques. And, and I was, I was like, man, I, I, I know, I know what he's doing. I, I could do that. So again, it kind of inspired me to, that's part of what inspired me to, to start. Um, but yeah, all that stuff, like becoming more normalized. And obviously I, I, I'm a big fan of that. Sure. But, but on the flip side, like you, you, you detect pretty quickly when like somebody doesn't have the background. Uh, yeah. So uh, sorry to, to kind of, I would say, I would say if, to wrestlers out there, I would, I would say, you know, please get some like formal training in, in certain techniques. It's. Wouldn't be very acceptable or people would probably crap all over that. Um, yeah. You know, like you can't, it's like, 
you're butchering these techniques. Like I'm sure, you know, as ruthless as the IWC is anyway to, for certain things, again, if somebody's like doing, yeah, again, like a, a regular suplex or a run of the mill, like wrestling move, but it's all, it's all sloppy or the technique is off. Like they're going to, they're probably going to hear about that or fans are not going to like it, but as mixed martial arts too has become more uh, mainstream. I think people are seeing how kicks are actually thrown and uh, how strikes are actually thrown. So um, those types of things are becoming more like fans kind of just recognize and maybe appreciate the folks that do throw those types of techniques with, with, with good, good form or good technique, whatever you want to call it. Sure. I mean, obviously like, you know, the UFC and WWE merging recently, TKO, mm -hmm. like, yeah. I mean, so there's going to be even more of that coming up soon. Yeah. I'm sure with like people wanting to see crossover stuff and people in both worlds. Now this is a riddle me this, um, Matt. So I, I just have a, just you, to pick your brain a little bit. Now you mm -hmm. mentioned like, not having like like trained in MMA or like a background in MMA, but like attempting these moves and like in knowing the difference. What would you say if like hypothetically speaking, somebody like had trained for years in MMA and maybe even competed in the UFC and it still didn't look very good? Like, would you recommend like they maybe change their move set to where like they weren't using those techniques because it didn't look good because they could just use other moves that would like look better? Jerry, why are you laughing? I don't. I don't are you like? Are you guys trying to get me in trouble? No, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> no, you don't, you, you, don't, you don't have to answer that question all right, at all. Right. Okay. No, um, not, I, I will. I will. I will be transparent with you, Matt. He's not trying to get anybody in trouble. Uh, he is not a fan of of one CM Punk and the way he throws his strikes. And you having a, an MMA background and being successful in MMA, he is very much picking your brain and just wondering kind of your thoughts on how CM Punk has sort of transitioned using his MMA where he was not very successful and then kind of putting that in pro wrestling. And I think we can all agree CM Punk is a very good pro wrestler. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and, by, and by the way, this is topical too, because I've heard Bobby Fish talk about this. I've heard other people that respect martial arts talk about this specifically. And you're just kind of like the perfect person to ask him about this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the problem is somebody would have to tell them to stop. Right. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't comment on, uh, of course, Phil's stuff so uh yeah. well, i think we all we all agree that the fantastic professional wrestler um it's just been it was just it was just an interesting i was just i was just curious if you had any thoughts on that um because i've heard other wrestlers talk about it yeah no i mean um you know if 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 i do a technique or a spot or a move and uh i have a i have a good coach um they're probably going to be honest with me and be like you either need to work on that or I would maybe change that to something else. Um, and yeah, and that, and that could be literally anything, uh, uh, you know, any, anything in wrestling, like a, a Irish whip or a, a body slam. Um, you know, if it's like, yeah, Matt, Matt, I think Matt, you need a little work on your body slam or, or maybe I would change that spot up a little bit or, or, or something like that. So you kind of need like a, I would say like a, a mentor or somebody you respect to, to, to maybe help, you, you kind of come up with something new or, 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 or to work on that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it does, it, it, it bugs me a little bit when 
that the, like techniques are I don't even know how to word it. No, it's okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're... Because, you know, it, I, I personally, as a fan of both, I think it kind of disrespects both. Because, like, you're you're making, like, the like the pro wrestling audience doesn't understand what they're what they're seeing. Like, yeah. they, they don't know the difference in these techniques, potentially. So, like, they're kind of, like, being deceived. And then the MMA world, like, you're seeing that and you're like, like, even Bobby Fish said himself, he's like, I've been throwing, you know, step back kicks my entire life. But, like, I don't throw super kicks because, like, I just don't, it just doesn't look right when I throw super kicks for whatever reason. It doesn't look good, but I can throw, I can throw kicks my entire, my entire life. Yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much agree with what you just said. So yeah, yeah. cool, Jeremy. Go ahead with your question next. Is I apologize, Starks... Matt. I swear to, God, I swear no. I'm not trying to get you. No, any, I, I get yeah, it, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Is Billy Starks a bully? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you guys know I wrestled Billy, right? Yeah, that's why. That's why I brought okay. it up. Um, <laughs> no, she's, uh, she's probably, she's exactly like she comes off on, on television or anywhere else she's yeah that's not like a gimmick she's doing she's actually like just a bubbly happy person at least uh, you know that's how she presents herself backstage too so um no she was great to work with and um yeah i'm super happy for billy uh, everything that's been going on with her uh in her career recently has been awesome Everyone says, and every, anytime I've talked to Billy, she's she's been fantastic. There is just a a joke and a bit that Billy Billy Starks likes to bully people because it uh, she's bully Starks to a lot of people. <laughs> she gets people to try to do dumb stuff. So I will ask that: did did she present any ideas of like, hey? Let's do this stupid thing where <laughs> no. we can all get hurt. No, no. Um, the finish to that match was I caught her out of her big swanton in an arm bar. So um, that might have been – I can't remember who, who I, whose idea that was, but uh, I enjoyed the finish. So, yeah, it was pretty sweet. I Yeah, I, um, yeah, I got no complaints. Wrestling guys like uh, Willa Yuta, Daniel Garcia, um, yeah. Alex Kane, who, who I'm high on. Like, mm -hmm. what's it, what's it like sharing the ring with with uh, these people? Especially, you know, I think you did the pure rules match with uh, Yuta and Garcia is like almost straight up pure rules. But what's it like sharing sharing the ring those guys with those guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting you you bring them up because those are, I would say like Daniel Wheeler and uh, Lee Moriarty, I are guys that like I feel like I was. I've been like chasing or I was trying to, I was trying to like get to, like to their level um, as quickly as I could after I debuted. Um, they were kind of the talk of the town. Like as I was kind of starting to cut my teeth on the independence and um, I was so lucky to be able to have like a, a, a program with, with Yuta essentially um, in 2021, we wrestled four times Um uh, twice, twice at beyond. Um, and, and two of those matches are like top three for me, like in terms of my career, uh, two of them with Wheeler Yuta. So, um, Daniel, I got to wrestle at ICW, um, during a co the collective weekend, uh, or it was now nah, maybe not, it was, but it was in Indiana and, um, yeah, again, super nice. I'll call him a kid uh, for the, you know, it's just much younger than me, but super nice guy. Um, 
and uh yeah i i am i never i haven't been able to wrestle lee um uh, oh, Alex is super nice too. I mean, uh, you know, I am, I feel so lucky. Like there's, I, you know, wrestling is like, you hear a lot of horror stories, you know, about just like guys that are like just wrestlers that are grumpy. I feel like a lot of these guys are maybe, I don't, again, I don't like talking bad about anything or anyone, but like just guys that are maybe wrestle in the same place over and over. And they're just kind of, they feel like they should be somewhere else or, or something, or they, they should be bigger than they are and maybe they have a little bit of a a thing about that and so they and whenever they see a new guy coming up they want to like kind of shit on the new people or whatever because like that's how they feel now and some kind of weird thing um but i, I guess again chikara the locker room was incredible um you know one of my first singles matches was was with uh, jigsaw who, who's who's wrestled all over ROH impact. It was in Chikara forever. He was so nice to me and, uh, you know, was so receptive to my ideas. Again, I had maybe under 10 singles matches at the time or something. Um, and I'm, I'm forever grateful for him. Um, the, a lot of the, I guess what I'm trying to say, a lot of the locker rooms that I've been in beyond wrestling, uh, JCW paradigm, just, just like a good group of people that are just trying to, just trying to, we're all, we're all in this together. We're all trying to like, you know, wrestling is hard. It, it, as much as, you know, this pulled me out of the dark ages, it's like, it kind of brought me to a different spot because <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough, like mentally. Um, and so we're all just, we're all in it together. We're all just like grinding, working hard, trying to get to the same spot in, in, in a way. So I guess that's why there could be a lot of like stepping on toes and things like that. But in from what I from my out of all my matches, like I would say 99, 98% of them have been very pleasant experiences. So um you know I, I, again I, I'm I'm very grateful for that. And I again I think a lot of that is because I was lucky to like kind of get in with Beyond pretty quickly and that kind of and then get that blood sport booking in 2019. And that kind of was like you know maybe some of the higher level indies or whatever like who's this kid and let's try him out or whatever so i i, I got to work with some with some good places um and yeah I, i've had nothing but um nothing but nothing but good experiences and and I, I i always i'm very conscious of like making sure i you know i'm being very respectful to everyone and 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 respecting your elders and like or, or people that have been around veterans people that have been even you know people younger than me um that have been doing this longer than me. I'm, I, I try to be as, as nice as I can. I don't, I, I hate, um, so for all my career choices and everything, I hate confrontation. Like I hate like social <laughs> confrontation. So, um, you know, I, I do like physicality and competition and things like that, but, um, you know, I, uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a, trying to be a nice guy. I guess <laughs> we, we appreciate that. I, I got one, one last question for you. Yeah, Matt. Man. And it's, it's about the, uh, the most recent match you had against Braden tune at JCW. You just mentioned yeah. JCW. You've been there a bit more regular wrestled Alex Coughlin recently there as well. Yeah. Um, what, what are maybe some of your goals with JCW? Cause of course that they're like a sister company, whatever you want to call it to GCW, their, their, their events air on their YouTube channel, which I really love that you can watch those shows for free. Yeah. Um, what, what I know you said your overall experience has been positive, like in independent wrestling, just in general, but JCW specifically, you got some thoughts on them. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've I do kind of look at JCW as like whatever you want to call it, the NXT of GCW. I mean, there's no really no no other way around that. Um, so with that being said, I I I, I would love to kind of become more of a mainstay at GCW one day. Um, but there's part of me too that's like maybe I could be like this the 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 draw at JCW. Like I'd be the like you know there's guys on the on the come up, but then there's like you know, you got to have, maybe there's somebody like bigger that would sell tickets. Like they just had Tracy Williams, uh, there wrestling, um, you know, uh, and again, ring of honor, a former like ring of honor tag team champion, all that stuff. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe there's been talks that maybe, maybe he and I tagged a little bit. I don't know. Something was just stuff like that. So like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I really enjoy those JCW shows as well. Uh, th- those fans are, are great. They're great wrestling fans. Um, it, there's always a good energy in, in the room. And um, yeah, it's just a place I, I like look forward to, to wrestling. Um, of course, you know, GCW has a little bit different flavor. It's a little bit, I guess the, the death match stuff, it's like a little bit, you know, a little bit more hardcore, uh, but they, they have, you know, they book like John Gresham, uh, Zack Sabre Jr., you know, guys like that. So, um, yeah, I guess I just have to keep proving that I can get it done at, at JCW and uh, and then and, and maybe become, you know, uh, kind of get the call to, to go up to uh, GCW, you know? One more follow-up about that. Do you yeah. have any interest in doing death matches? Like, if you got the call and they offered it to you, that's something you'd be open to? Um, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, so... I mean, I don't want to, well, I don't know. I don't think my wife wants me to bleed, you know, <laughs> I just, I would probably do it. I would do like one. Here's the thing. If you want my honest, like, I really think those types of matches should be like saved for some type of blow off or like it, there should be some kind of build. I'm not a big fan and, and Brett Lauderdale, forgive me, but like, uh, Death matches for the sake of death matches is just not my thing. Um, I can see it, it is. I can see why it would be entertaining and why people would be into it. Um, part of a, a feud or some type of some type of blow off with somebody. Um, yeah, I just it's so like this is from this is this is a little just a little scratch. But us little grappler guys, we have like a running joke where we wrestle at these shows because you know they had the Fight Club weekend the night before, right? Right. So, so there's there's still shards of glass basically all over the, the ring, and they're they're sweep. Don't get me wrong, they're trying to sweep it out, clean everything out. But those light tubes, it it just gets. I've had some type of abrasion, or or scratch just from grappling around on a deathmatch canvas for the last few weeks that I can imagine, you know, like this, I don't know where this came from, but I swear it's from like just me bumping or, or rolling. And I just get a little cut up on, on the glass. So <laughs> I'm we... basically already a death match guy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We've had up your rate when you that happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've had a few wrestlers mention that. Oh, Greeny, I think was what, cause he wrestles mm. barefoot. He's like, yeah, yeah I yeah, am following yeah. the- <laughs> I fall on these deathmatch people. Yeah, yeah. The the glass gets it stays out there, and then yeah. you know pricks in his feet and everything. Yeah, we've had a few wrestlers mention of like 
I ain't following these death matches. Maybe uh, <laughs> something to clean things up here. Uh, last one. Uh, we ask everybody this. What is the coolest thing in your room? In my room? Yes. And if you don't mind showing us, if you're able to, we would love to yeah. see it. Oh, in this room? Um, I mean, I got my wedding album. <laughs> that was pretty um, cool. Hey, as a, as, a, as a wife guy and a wedding guy, a <laughs> yeah. person who loves love, I respect uh, that. I have some some wrestling posters like jc i love one of the reason i like jcw is they always have posters and i always grab one so i have a bunch of jcw posters uh this is from when i won the the us kba amateur title i had the the weapon x hair i did i did bleach you know you remember back in the day guys when everyone used to all the mma guys dyed their hair blonde like tito ortiz (laughs) and everybody you know what i mean like that's that was me i just did it with like three stripes three the three stripes (laughs) Uh, and this was a photo that a friend of mine took, and uh, yeah, I, I, I she got it framed for me, so um, that is very cool, yeah. And um, I don't know, this is I this I have this here for some reason. Oh, nice, it's uh, that would be Pez, that's sweet, yeah. yeah. I'm so a collector, that, we'll, we'll go with I, that, we'll go with yes. that, very cool, that's very sweet. cool, love it. It's just that I don't know why that's down there. But it's there. <laughs> Matt, we want to thank you for for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you for your time. Thank you for talking to us uh, for nearly an hour here. And let everybody know where they can find you at. Uh, I'm on on Twitter, like it has on the screen here, at uh, the Matt Mikowski. And then uh, my Instagram is Matthew Mikowski. There you go. Thank you, Matt. We we appreciate it again. Everyone go follow him. All the links are below. Go support him. Thank you again, Matt. We appreciate your time tonight. And guys, we'll be right back here on the Spotlight. We are back. Big thanks to Matt Mikowski for joining us on the Creator Spotlight, in the Creator Spotlight, on the Creator Spotlight, however you want to, however you want to phrase that. Um, appreciate everybody in the chat joining us today. Everyone, follow me on X at Tony Khan. Just follow Tony Khan on Twitter. Enjoy that, <laughs> guys. Again, thank you, thank you for joining us this week. It's been a it's been a busy week in the world of wrestling, as it always is. As it always is. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta go cover some Tony Khan tweets now. <laughs> Taking shots. Taking shots at everybody. Bless them. Bless them. We'll be on Five Flavor Book tomorrow in the weeds, 10 a.m. Eastern. Myself and Joel Pearl. I'm sure we will talk about Tony Khan and his tweets, among other things. Um, we're sp- scheduled to have a guest from MLW Slaughterhouse scheduled to join us tomorrow. Go check out our interview that we did with Alex Kane. That's on Fightful Overbooked. Head over to Fightful Overbooked. Check out all the interviews that we do, all the shows that we do. Support the content creators who uh, provide us with content over there. Thanks for tuning in. Head over to Fightful.com. Get all your news. Head over to FightfulSelect.com. Best $5 in the business. Head to- do all that fun stuff. Do all-, all Fightful. All things Fightful all the time. Thank you guys again. We'll be back next week, myself and Jensen, a brand new episode of The Spotlight. Until then, everyone, enjoy your weekend.